Hey folks, before we get into the show, I'm just going to quickly recap the January and quarterly challenge. So for the January monthly challenge, we've got what's cooler than being cool. Uh, so a simple one for January, we want you to play the newest ITS mission, Cryogenics, and let us know what you think of it. Uh, this is also the final mission of CanCon, so uh, those who have already been there, um, hopefully you guys have um, written up your thoughts on this mission. Uh, same for those who have just finished up at Las Vegas Open. We'd love to hear your thoughts. As always, send in your reports as a Google Doc to us at lossoflieutenant at gmail.com. A random winner will be chosen at the end of the month to win a blister of their choice from Toy Soldier Imports. Also, we have our Q1 quarterly challenge called Newly Classified. Uh, so this one is a, um, we want you to redesign um, the classifieds. So you can be, you can pick one classified, you can pick the whole deck. Um, we want you to send us your ideas for a new classified card, how they will work and your reasons for choosing them. Um, you can send, like I said, we can send in one or whole deck. Um, additional brownie points awarded for those who design the cards and artwork themselves because some, uh, part of the classifieds is the artwork is always quite nice to look at. Um, at the end of the quarter, we will select our favourites to build a new classified deck for people to try out and play in their games. A uh, random entry will be will be chosen at the end of March, beginning of April, to win a small box set of their choice from Toy Soldier Imports. Good luck to everyone who takes part. Anyway, on with the show. Hello and welcome back to another exciting episode of Loss of Lieutenant. I'm your host Kevin and on tonight's show we are joined by fellow hosts Jacob, Val and our special guest tonight on this show is none other than the one, the only, Mr. Robert Cantrell. Hello everyone. <laughs> hey Rob, uh, if uh, those of us who are watching on YouTube at the moment uh, you will not see Robert. Um, he is mysterious. He is behind the scenes. Uh, just the he doesn't own a webcam. He doesn't own a webcam. <laughs> yeah. uh, just the three of our faces um, tonight. But Rob is Rob is here in voice. Um, all right. Well, we'll get stuck into it. The um, the con the, the the topic of tonight's show is CanCon um, and specifically. Uh, Rob's um, experience at CanCon as he did, spoiler alert, taking out the top spot at the event, uh, not last weekend, but the weekend before that. So we're really excited to get him on the show and get him his, get his thoughts and his recap on the, on the weekend and also just sort of pick his brains um, on Infinity events as a whole. But before we get fully into that, we'll just recap and um, catch up with everyone on tonight's show and um, see what we, we, we've been getting up to. So... Val, what have you been getting up to recently? After CanCon, I slept 12 hours. Um, that was much needed. And then uh, I entered in your barbecue. You put on a barbecue. Thank you thank you for that. Um, we had some games of Infinity. That was good fun. I got three games in, losing two out of three, which is pretty standard. Um, and oh, I wait. I didn't know you lost. Tack. I didn't know you lost those I games. lost. <laughs> I lost both 300-point games, and then I beat up the new player on 150 points because uh, I just needed the win. Redemption. I'm a power gamer. Redemption. <laughs> redemption. Yeah. Now, um, no. Testing out some tack, and um, yeah, I just want to go on record right now. I think uh, Dog Warriors are very, very, very good. 
Mm-hmm. Balanced, but very good. Balanced, yes. Uh, as, as everything in Infinity coming out of your mouth, Val, is um, fair, fair and balanced. Yeah, that was a fun, right. that was a fun time uh, on the weekend. Uh, the, it was actually on the Australia Day itself. We, um, I had, what, eight people around it, or seven people plus me, around to my house um, for some games. So we, I cleared out the garage, put two tables in there. Uh, we put, we had another it's game on the kitchen table. Yeah, it was on the kitchen table. And then we had, we, we moved the couch out from the TV as well. And we had another game going on there. So um, it was great. Yeah, we had a, we had a barbecue um, going. It was bloody hot. It was actually quite cool in the morning. Um, but we're quite glad that we were playing in the garage because we had the, like my garage opens in the front and the back. So I had a bit of a through, through draft, yeah. through breeze. So it was nice, kept nice and cool out there. But yeah, that was, that was, that was really fun. Um, uh, did you, uh, want to talk, did you have anything you wanted to say on that other than tack is, tack is, tack, tack is good? Um, the, no, I just, I just enjoy using dog warriors. I think they're, um, I was really just, um, both lists were designed to like just experiment with dog warriors and I experimented getting them on rooftops and then seeing if my opponent can deal with them. And they're pretty hard to deal with on rooftops. And then I try to use Specfire smoke grenades mm. to enable their attack runs. Um, so having used them i find what they're really good at is dealing with really good gunfighters that the rest of tech can't really deal with Mm. so something like uh like an omega or anything with like mimetism minus six okay that you can't really deal with with the rest of the tech you just put a dog away you don't have to kill it you just get it into close combat and then sit yeah yeah Yeah, you could do that no go ahead I was just gonna say they're not actually very good at close combat uh, against the close combat specialists. Against like regular troops, they're good. Yeah. But otherwise, they're not. Yeah, they're not. It's their, it's their sheer resilience and their ability to just like yeah. eat. You know, like the you know you need to put three wounds in them to take them down. Yeah, um, they, they were the they were the Ariana tag before they mm, had a tag. Yeah. Hey, um, that's a really cool idea though. Is like getting a piece that's as threatening as a dog warrior, but not actually that expensive. Sticking it on a rooftop somewhere. And then just making it your like projecting that threat, like making it your opponent's problem to try and mentally force them to come and solve it. Because only like what 23, 26 points for a dog warrior. Uh, Yeah, yeah. four, twenty-four points. Yeah, twenty-four points. Yeah. The other thing, Rob, is they have super super jump as well, right? And when they transform, they they go into like what? What's their six-four move when they transform? Six-four move. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Six-four move. Four armor. They get two extra fizz. I think fizz sixteen. Yeah. I had a nice one where my dog warrior crit against the gator, did two wounds. That's nice. They, yeah, yeah they, they hit like a truck if they hit. The yeah, other yeah, thing with, with them though, Rob, is if they're on the rooftop, right? Because anything within eight of in- inches of them, they can just spec fire on top of. Oh, like regular right? grenades. So either, either regular yeah. grenades or, or um, smoke grenades, right? I'm pretty sure they have regular grenades. I might they do. Have yes, I'm just. I'm, yeah, no, do. no, I'm just looking at the profile now. Yeah. So, so unlike bears, you don't have to use them as a rushdown. You can use them like a zone denial. Mm. That's what I'm going to be using them as, like a zone denial, um, with a rooftop uh, situation. Uh, assuming there's rooftops on the table. But yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're really fun. Really fun and very different playstyle to Imperial Service and Military Orders and Morats because obviously none of those factions I've been playing recently have had camo. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I I um I actually ran into attack player at that on that same day as well. Um, not not you, um, Hendrik. Mm. He was taking nice. his tack, and um, I've actually um started playing Rama 
uh, now. Well, back to back to good old Rama. And that wasn't a very good matchup for him, I don't think. Although he did he did have a very good start with the game, um, mowing down my my two aero pieces with his uh, Bet Kazakh. Uh, sorry, not Bet Kazakh. Uh, what's he called? The, the Spetsnaz HMG. Just mm. just just rip through my Zaydens that are on aero duty like <laughs> in mm. two orders. And I was like, yep, that seems fine. <laughs> and with the smoke and with the uh, shock as well, there's no way of getting them back up. Um, but the Myrama sure. had quite a bit of, like, you know, had a couple of viral in it. It had um, a Namur in it with a breaker rifle. And uh, the thing about the Dog Warriors is he kind of did a similar thing where he kind of anchored it in the middle. Um, but we were playing on his his forest table, which um, I think I've oh. shared on our Discord. And it's not very easy to hide things. Um, and my Namur was able to get a, 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 an angle on it. Um, you know, outside, like inside, like sort of 16 inches. And um, because dog warriors are only armor one when before they transform, you know, I was able to take two, you know, two wounds off it in a single volley, which meant it transform, but it's like only got one, one, it's only got one wound left and then another volley put it down to dead. Oh, actually, a breaker rifle wouldn't have mattered anyway because it's BTS yeah. zero. But um, that was, that was, um, that was something uh, interesting that came up in our game, um, but I'm, in, I'm I'm enjoying playing Ram at the moment. I've um, uh, experimenting with a double double Namur, so I like running one Namur in my lists. I think they're a really really interesting unit, especially with the buffs they've had, with the um, extra wound and the extra BS they've got now, and the better weapon. Mm. Um, but I really want to try running two of them. Um, it always seems to be quite difficult to do, especially when they are forty points per model and. They have and Rama have some really excellent gunfighters in the faction with like the Mukhtar, but mm. I wanted to try them, like I say, because they are such a toolbox. You know, mm. being that they're like they're mobile, they've got climbing plus, they've got total immunity, they're two wounds, they're 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 decent enough in CC, um, and and also because they're a specialist, um, I, um, I and I had a lot of fun with them. So I ran um, I ran the Spitfire one. And I ran the breaker rifle tack awareness one, and I also had a Rafik Red Fury. So the idea was the Spitfire one could go on its own, the breaker rifle could go in a duo with the Rafik, um, and they basically put one on one on either flank and move up with them to either push buttons um, or you know take out key pieces. And in the two games I had, they did pretty, they did really well. They did exactly that, and on more than one occasion, that total total immunity came in super handy. Um, I think I played against uh, Dante, um, our first game actually. It was really fun. Um, he was running uh, Krigador and he had a Cyclone, uh, you know, fully, fully linked cy- Cyclone Feuerback. And in my <laughs> turn, I think I ran out in front of the Cyclone with the Namur. I can't remember what I was doing. I might have been trying to shoot something else or maybe I was just trying to contest the mm-hmm. ARO. I've, you know, lost the engagement and he's like, cool, take, you know, three saves three from, exp- from Explosive. And I'm like, I'll take one, please. And he's like, ah. Shit, and um, that was that was really cool, and that's that same thing happened in the tack game where he got hit, where one of them got hit by an auto cannon, and I was like, I'll just take one, save. Um, so yeah, um, finding them really really fun, and also the Nahab Killer Hacker. Um, I I've been taking that in a lot of my um, Rama lists, specifically the infiltration one. Uh, I know a lot of people prefer the AD one, or at least they. A lot of people who I speak to say that they prefer the AD one, but I have been finding the infiltration one again really useful as an immediate threat on the table, uh, also an immediate button pusher that's midfield that can defend itself. 
Um, it, it, it is obviously uh, vulnerable to enemy hackers and against uh, Dante's Corregidor. I opted to go first for that very reason, because if I went second, then the Nahab would probably have gotten its brains blown out by Jazz um, via uh, Moran's repeater. But I was able to kill Jazz with, with the Nahab with hacking. So I was really nice. happy with that. It's like, yeah, well, like, nice. not, not through the Moran's repeater, through my Rafiq's repeater. So that was a, mm. that was a, that was a nice little... Um, achievement because Jazz, I feel every game I play against her, she just, it's like, unless you can kill her with bullets, you're not killing her with hacking unless you're like an anathematic or something. Um, but anyway. Yeah. The Nahab sounds similar to the Zerat from when I was using Mora. Zerat was my main button pusher. And there'd be some games where I just have to respect my opponent's hacking net where I just deploy her in my DZ just so she doesn't get a brain blown out turn one. So I'd forego the whole infiltra- infiltration. Yeah, no, definitely. And like I have on a couple of occasions, I think it might be in a game of Axes and Ales, where I, um, oh, it was against Douglas. Um, he was playing Ariadna, and I was going first with the Nahab, and I, and I opted to over-infiltrate the Nahab just so I could get the killer mm-hmm. hacker right next to Nauf, um, who then subsequently got, his, um, got isolated by a Rem Racer, but that's another story. Or I think that's a story I've probably covered in the last episode. But yeah, um, really, yeah, really having fun with Rama. Uh, really enjoying the, um, uh, I don't know, like really enjoying the change to their fire teams because the Daedins are now really fucking good in a core linked fire team. Um, which I don't know if anyone wants to, if anyone has an opinion on this. Uh, it does feel very strong. Um, it does feel a little bit obvious, like a little bit auto include now, which I'm not a big fan of normally. But it, I also, it's nice to feel like how vanilla, how, it's nice to feel like how panel sectorals felt in the old days, right? Where you just be like, here's my core link of four fusiliers and one big gunfighting piece. And then my remaining 10 orders are all this other cool stuff. Um, it's nice to build a, a Rama list and go, this, this is a locked and loaded fire team that does a lot of good stuff. And then I've still got, say, like nine or 10 orders to spend on interesting units like you know a cool Harris team or a duo or some infiltrating units and I've still got enough room for like three flash pulse bots. Um I've really yeah I've really enjoyed the the list building sort of puzzle I've needed to work on with um Rama because it feels it feels very different to how I've played other armies in the past. Um uh, which is which is nice and refreshing. Anyway um, that has. I've definitely been on the end of that Zayden when I've played Ryan Kirby. Yeah, he's really. I uh, used that Zayden really well. You just have to you you have to duck basically in your in your arrow turn, otherwise you'll get blasted. Yeah, and like I mean, if you have a dedicated gunfighting piece, it, 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 they can push through just with the weight of dice, or if they have mimetism, you can definitely get through it, um, like that. And in this in that list I was talking about, actually, I I didn't um I didn't opt for the HMG. Zayden because of my intention was to keep it a very static link, so that's why I had the missile. I took the missile launcher mm. and the sniper rifle, and then put both of them up in a row. Um, and it's done all. It's done all right so far, except for the um, Spetsnaz that mowed them down. And yeah. uh, and you know because it was that's like four dice on fifteens versus two on fifty fifteens. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah, two on fifteens, which is like a coin flip, right? You know, if uh, whoever wins that engagement is, um, close, you know, who, whoever loses that engagement is dying. But uh, in that in that instance, it was uh, it was me. Yeah. 
Um, Rob, did you, uh, have Rob anything, did you have anything you wanted to talk about? Any recent games or hobby you've been up to since CanCon? Yeah, so in terms of hobby, right now I'm in the middle of assembling Bishia, which uh, is a model that is my takeaway from my takeaway from Kangon, and I'm super glad to have. Oh, awesome. um, but uh, she's lovely, actually. She's an awesome little piece. Um, no, I've been playing some Hack Islam. I, uh, I had a game. I wanted to put the Mega Reba on the table for like a month now after helping one of the locals with his lists for CanCon. So I, uh, I bailed that list out and uh, pushed the big girl up the table. And she tried to fight a cutter, and she died. Um, and I managed to scrape a draw in frontline. Um, the cutter basically looked to sit in a joint of its choosing and win at the end of the game. But I'd done all of my classifieds, and the Varuna player had done basically none. So that uh, was a, a a scrappy. It was very hack Islam draw, basically. Having I'd done I'd done all of the things with all of the specialists, and he'd killed all of my stuff. And it was it was a, all right. We'll call it a draw. Can I ask? Uh, was this vanilla, by the way? Vanilla, vanilla Hakislam versus Varuna, yep. Yeah. yeah, okay. Can you duo the Maggie in Vanilla or not? Yep, she was duoed with a Rafik, so yeah, two tactical awareness orders to womble her around the table. It's pretty fun. Yeah, I suspect that, yeah. That's... Do you yeah. go the Red Fury or do you go the uh, Rifle? Um, I've tried both, and I've... I've ended up um, so in some in some of the sectorals you're restricted um, because the red fury is an FTO, but in vanilla you can just do whatever. And um, after playing, just in general, I think I prefer the rifle light shotgun Rafik if I'm given the choice because it's a utility piece. It's still even with marksmanship, it's still armor zero. It's it's sort of four dice on fourteens, but it's really easy for it to just go down. But as a sort of like escort element, where it's a shotgun and a repeater and a tactical awareness. Um, and a button pusher, all of that stuff, particularly being a repeater. Uh, and at 14 points, it's the cheapest forward observer remote in the game, I think. Um, and, and, so. zero, and zero SWC against the yep. Red Fury as well, which can yeah. be, which I don't know if uh, Hackers aren't always crying out for SWC, but um, I know in Rama, sometimes I wish I could take the uh, Rifle Light Shotgun yep. version, for sure. Yeah. Which, so which, mag, which magnet did you take? Oh, that's a good point. point profile, the Mind Dispenser. It's, yeah. it's not straight yeah. up the best one but it's definitely the most fun well yeah i'm just thinking like best. if you if you're playing and putting the rafik with that taking the if you take the red fury really you're just taking up every range bands that the the maggie's good enough at anyway yep pretty much so that was a fun game yeah, that was awesome. yeah cool um and uh is that going to be is that just a bit of fun for you or you reckon that might be what you'll be playing into for a while so Yuching and Hack are the two sort of, uh, and O12 are the next three factions. But I'll bounce mm. around for a bit. Basically, there's no tournaments coming up, so I can play whatever I want. Um, and uh, I've got some O12 lists. Say again. Until interplanetary, of course. <laughs> no. Peer pressure you early. Absolutely not. Push yeah. um, shadowing some peer pressure it, coming. It, your it's way. kind of like the off season now. Um, after CanCon, it feels like. Um, uh, I know I think we had a chat with uh, one of the WA guys and that's how they look at it they look at like after CanCon you've got like four to six months of kind of off season um, and then there's usually a few events on in the middle middle towards the end of the year and then it's like kind of ramping up again towards CanCon um, so it's a good time to start like dicking around with lists which I'm, I'm looking forward to doing uh, once yep. I can get back to the table Want to play bikers and sunduk boots and all sorts of different stuff? Fuck yeah, it's so much fun. Um, have you have you got this? Have you got that model yet? I've been hearing mixed reviews on its um, quality. I do. It's 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 derpy, but fine. Okay, 
it's it's not uh, it's not as awful as some people have been telling me. I think it got some flack because the studio scheme based it with the the base arcings facing in a completely different direction to its head. Oh, yeah. So that was the subject of a few different a few different memes. Um, but as far as the models go, I don't think it quite lives up to the concept art, but it's not bad. Mm. Yeah, mm. yeah. I remember looking at the box art. It's got like a really big, weird, big barrel on one of its weapons. Yep. Yeah. It's got this. It's like basically got a freaking AC twenty. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So uh, we'll get that out of the way. Uh, Jacob, you said before the hand you don't have any anything to update us on uh, the last few weeks. Oh, now I had I had I had one game with Pete to test out his steel phalanx, and fucking hell, they have <laughs> turned um, steel phalanx up to eleven. Yeah, we um, might we, we might we might mention um, that actually just later on in the show when we get into CanCon. Um, um, but steel so phalanx was, yeah, it was it seems to be quite popular these days. It was it was a it was um, a good game. Um, for, yeah, it was a good game. It was all. It was. I think I, I just lost, and that was mainly because I didn't know the scoring for acquisition. Otherwise, I would have done something different. Mm. Um. Yeah. yeah. Um. Pete's been dominating the Melbourne scene, so um. Yeah, it was, it was you were definitely the punching bag in that case. Mm. Yeah, he's been killing it. He's been killing it. He has. Right. Um, all right, well, we'll move on. So we've got some announcements. Um, we'll get into... I was actually I was going to do the LVO video, but speaking about Pete, we'll just go slightly further ahead and we'll talk about upcoming events because um, we do have a local slow grow round three happening uh, on the 26th of February, Sunday, uh, at House of War in Ringwood. Entry is $20 and tickets can be found via the Melbourne Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the third and final round of the three round slow grow event round one was was like 150 points uh, round two was like 250 and then this one is full 300 and the missions are highly classified supplies and firefight uh, there is the full list of special rules that he has included in this event um, it's basically relating to if your painted model is stuff. if you, if your model is painted or unpainted, if it's painted, it basically gets a bonus against anything that's unpainted, which I think is like a plus one damage um, or something. So it's kind of plus fluffy. one burst, maybe. No, oh, no, no. I think it was plus one damage in the end. I don't think uh, it plus one burst. That felt a little bit too powerful. Um, but yeah, so if you painted your stuff up, um, you get plus one damage against anything that's unpainted. So it kind of encourages that sort of fun aspect of trying to get stuff um, done up for it. But yeah, check it out on our Facebook page and we'll mm. probably drop a link to it in the show notes for this show. Sorry. I'm hopefully I'm hoping to finally win an event with uh, my Imperial Service. So, no, it's not about... <laughs> you can't take Imperial Service to this event. I know, I know, I know you're just trolling, but you can't do that. Yeah, no. yeah <laughs> I was just, I was more using that as a joke as a segue to uh, to uh, his other rule where he's asking people to take uh, a faction that they haven't used at an event before because it is meant to be a more of a friendly tournament rather than um, a competitive tournament, and that's actually part of the reason why he scheduled it after CanCon so people didn't just use it as an excuse to practice for CanCon. Um, man, but yeah, which is very smart, very so, smart, pretty clever. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, all right, we'll get into the LVO video and some recent releases. Let me just bring up this, share my screen. Uh... Oh, can I just shout out Volacy while you're doing that? Yeah, sure, go for it. So, um, what's his name? Volacy on YouTube. 
uh, uh, what's his name? He makes all sorts of videos on Infinity. Has been doing for for a while. One of his like a long time, right? Like, like how how long yeah, has long he been on, yeah, on, he was, on the go for? He was the OG. He was the original gangster, I guess. Um, um, but yeah, one of the things he started doing is they started doing some stop motion uh, series where he tries does a bit of a sitcom with like some stop motion animation in between. For me, um, the stop motion stuff is fantastic. It's actually really, really fun and it's clever and makes me laugh. Um, and I think he's been getting better and better at it. Um, in terms of the other aspect where there's a bit of a sitcom and drama in the background, um, I'm not I haven't got too involved in that, but I, all I can vouch for um, wholeheartedly is the stop motion stuff. If you haven't checked it out, do so. It's very, very fun. Yeah, absolutely. And where can we find him? On YouTube? It's like Vol SC. Yeah, YouTube. Yeah, Vol SC. Uh, v A U L S C. Um, yeah, really, the stop motion stuff. Especially the there's one he did with the uh, um, Walker Adventure guys as well. It's, anyway, I won't spoil it, but it was very, very funny. Uh, all right. Cool. Yeah, have you uh, have you checked that out, Rob? The, the his videos? No, I haven't seen it. But conceptually, the idea of using Infinity stuff for stop motion is an awesome idea. Um, it's and he's he's nailing it apparently. So very cool. Yep. Excellent. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll get into this now. So we have LVO video. Um, these are just the screenshots that I pulled off of the video, or is that someone else pulled off the video and shared on the Discord? So I'm just going to go through these. Um, there we go. I also I also sent you a screenshot, Kev. If you want to bring that one up, because um, that one's pretty important. You sent me a screenshot. Okay. Yesterday, yeah, yesterday on Messenger. Oh, okay. Uh, I <laughs> must have missed that one. No, that's fine. But anyway, we'll get into this uh here. So we have a new Mary problems uh, which will delight some. Uh, I'm sure most or all nomad players. Um because her original sculpt was not particularly good. But what do we think of the new one? Yeah, her old She's one was just sweet. her with like her with two guns in the air, wasn't it? She was a very two-dimensional pose. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's, this, this one's good. I'm surprised I haven't heard more complaining about um, tactical rocks, but at the very least, it's like a you know bit of sci-fi rubble. Instead of just some mm. sort of random uh, rock that she's on, no, it's just cool. Yeah, it was great. No, not, not nothing, nothing bad to say about it. Really, uh, again, I have sparked a debate of over what the fuck this is, but I mean, we figured this is a picture. Um, it's just that CB seemed to like modeling these little Matrix ship guns because um, there's a bunch of other Gizmo <laughs> kits seem to have them as well. It's all um, running around with miniature Nebuchadnezzars on them. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that those things are supposed to be like magnetic propulsors, like it's a railgun kind of thing. So they put it on anything that launches a projectile at like slower velocity or something. Because they look a lot like um, Hitches have got them, um, Gizmo Kits have got Gizmo them. Gizmo Kits, yeah. Oh, actually, no. That's oh, yeah. that's quite a decent um, okay. fluff reason behind it because you don't want to kill somebody with a <laughs> yeah. Like, you don't want you don't want to <laughs> shoot somebody with a gizmo kit and it just like go through their neck and you're like, oh, that was yeah. That should have not been so fast. Um, well, isn't that just the is that when like you fail the whip check? Is that what happens? It's like yeah, um, but I think you know. I guess they should come out of the factory not already lethal. It's more about like <laughs> the person <laughs> holding it, not the gun itself. Yeah, um, so yeah, so that's that's my problem. She's she is she's pretty good. I like her. Uh, we also have a new Yan Yan, uh, which I think looks dope. Yeah, um, the color scheme is great. They've been killing it with those Yan Yan resculpts. Mm. Yeah, mm. this is this is excellent. Um, 
really like it like others uh, yeah this is this is solid it's great great pose um like, i like this sort of the the flowing hair and the and the goatee that's that's great too i feel we're gonna yeah. start seeing some mccarry on the table if they keep doing it um because that's that's the second one now yeah, um, the, 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 yeah. Other, the other one was almost almost just like an update from um to like the 3d both, both of these are um, yeah, this is no, like no. Uh, this is like the special oh, yeah. edition Jesus Yan Yan put on yep. some weight. Like mm. he's he's buff. He's he's gotten a bit more buff in the gym. He looks like a HI, like pretty close to. Mm. Yeah, actually, now you mention it. Yeah, that the the bulkiness yeah. of the armor does make him look chunkier, um, for sure. But yeah, also oh, if he rolls like plus armor on the booty, I guess mm -hmm. that's perfect. Yeah, yeah okay, that's gotcha. fine. Yeah, oh. so got the Yan Yan. He looks great. Uh, then we have woohoo! We have a painted <laughs> version of the robot. <laughs> and that's so cool <laughs> i mean yeah i dig it i like i, I like it I, I i think i mean i still i, I still think, think the, the i still think the pose um like you can't quite see it here but if you get the other angle of the like the standing up bot it's very like we talked about mary problems being very two-dimensional he's very much the same but i i don't know is he supposed to sort of be a, a riff on robocop but that kind like, of he, it looks like he's because like, Robocop always aims from like his hip. He's very uh, much like stopping the name of the law type thing. Like he's yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like Robocop cool. like Robocop. He you know he was always very mechanical, robotic in how he moved. So I imagine this mm. is how. And I think it it does. Um, it's odd because yeah, when you look at the other transforming bike that's incredibly dynamic, this is not. Um, which is fine. One thing I was looking at today, I was looking at this bike and going like, how does that? How does this become this? And I was like, oh yeah, that's his head. There's his head, and his head. Yeah. So it kind of they're like, really clever with the, the design. But I don't know where this, how this wheel gets from here, or sorry, from up, here, yeah. how it gets to I, there. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think about it too hard. <laughs> I'm okay. trying not to, but I know there's someone on the internet who is thinking about it right now. Um, but this, this, I guess this confirms that they're both on uh, S. They're both on 40 mil bases then. No, that looks like an S. Oh, as in like think, both yeah. the both the transformed and the normal one. Yeah, yep, on forty mil, yeah. and then the little side bots on twenty five. Yeah. yeah. So that you know that I guess takes away from that whole like it's definitely I, not a motorcycle you know because it wasn't in the it wasn't have, in the in the profile have, and we were sure we weren't sure if it was yeah. a, a typo or nothing like that but that, that sort of seems to confirm yeah. that that'll be S three this will be S five. Yeah, I have to say though the um the tiny bike is really cute. It's gonna be my turret. I swear to God, if I buy that it's, thing, it's, I'll just be my that little bike. It's such will be a my cute turret. little, like tiny bike. So it cool. is. It is very cute. Uh, someone it's was saying like before arm they, there they, for something. They wish that this thing transformed, like if the small one transformed. <laughs> Even more, it's, you know, it's like, like a, just a tiny like version. A tin bot. That. Mm, just like, like a, a tin bot or something. Uh, like those little those transformers, like the mini transformers. I can't remember what their names were mm. in the in the in the animated series. Um, yeah, but you maybe, need to give yeah. us like the babushka dolls, but with like infinity models, like like a babushka doll. It's like tra a transformer that goes small and small and small. Mm. Uh, and then what else have we got? Oh, and then we got this was a bit of a surprise. We have uh, a corregidor fire team pack beta. Uh, so we've got the Diablos. Um, we don't have a painted version of these, so these are the I guess the uh, renders. Is that what we call them? Um, <clears throat> what do we think of the Diablos? Fine. 
I can only assume that the reason that they've been incarcerated is because they were arrested by the fashion police. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very 90s brave party, isn't it? it? Yeah, I was about to say, is, is it the hair or the pants? Pants. Uh, yeah, like the pants are the pants are something. That's they're the yeah, like the, those are some arrow like, patterned things. Proper. So what is the year Bakunin though? Why is Kyrgyz getting releases? Paul Bakunin. Well, I mean, they've got well, to finish. They've got to finish off nomads and stuff. Yeah, they've, they've got to finish off nomads. Um, but, is, oh, but yeah, is this a is this a four model or Kyrgyz uh, pack? Um, I don't know. It looks like there's also two Loboses. Yes, there are fire team beta. So, yeah, it's all one pack. Right. Oh, okay. Really? Okay. Oh. So that's a, that's that's the biggest sort of fire team pack I think we've got had so far. Got- all models is relatively common, but they often do things like three of a line infantry and one Grenzer kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah no, I, I'm more saying the. Right. I think most of the fire team packs have been three models. Uh, yeah, I guess it's probably more common. Um, more common that it is that way, but. Um, uh, that's shot bad, but it looks it is awesome. Just put a bit of yeah. blue on uh, as you paint it, like oh. make it blue and glowy. I reckon that'll be look really cool. I mean, the big yeah. problem I mean, is look- that, like, I don't know many people that are taking either of these profiles. So, yeah, yeah. well, but my models thought, always thought, drive people to take things. Yeah, or proxy. I thought the I thought the, um, I thought the, the Diablos was. Because it's like the pseudo two wounds. It's a cheap thing to put in a fire team, if I remember uh, correctly. Iblos are really good. Yeah, it's just yeah. the Lobos are a bit like, what is this for exactly? Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I was taking a look at the Lobos like last night, and I'm like, like they're close to being okay. They're just you just they just pay for stuff that you don't care about really that much, like veteran religious troop. Mm. Um, and I'm taking a look now, they're kind yeah. of competing points wise with the Evader, which people love. I had a quick question. Did Lobos always have CC attack plus three? I don't know. Um, they're pretty the good. Is the uh, point yeah. of CC attack plus three rather than just being CC 20? Or 23. 23, sorry, yeah. Um, there's. Why is I, that I was, rule? I was trying to think <laughs> if that's got something to do with them. Um, it's got something to do with CC attack. No, because martial arts, then you it, just give them it, no interaction with any skill. What the hell is with our profile? Is that, yeah, I was going to say it might be for like um, hitting um, st- uh, like uh, structures, but they don't have an anti-material weapon. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, so they're fine. I think I prefer, I don't mind the models. I'd like to see them painted. Uh, I just don't know of anyone who's going to be taking them, unfortunately. But, you know, we'll see. Um, we'll we'll see them 100% as proxies for something. Yeah, could like, I like quickly ask, or something? Yeah, what? Well, there's something mm. that's been something been on my mind for a while. Can you use you can use a command token to re-roll re- um, courage tests? Is that right? To automatically pass courage tests in your turn only. In your guts turn, rolls in your only. guts rolls in your turn only. It's not very commonly used. Oh, in your turn only, not an error. Oh, ah, that, that's that's a big difference. Yep. It's a weird limitation, yeah, and it makes it not very useful. Yeah. Well, it, it is yeah, really useful right. if you wanted the, like, it's your last order, and you really wanted the guy to stay standing. That's literally it, yep. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, like, and, yeah. and you and you lose the engagement. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. I, th- thought it was, I thought it was finally made, like, Wooming is a decent arrow pace, but no. Never mind. Moving oh, on. actually, no, you can use it on religious troops, though. Oh, no, no, to all like he pass. Yes. Never mind, I forget it. Yeah. yeah all right. What else have we got? Well, well got actually, actually that, that, that's a move. good point. Religious, re- sorry, just religious troops. 
their guts is reversed, so you have to pass the guts to go down. So it is kind of useful for them. Ah, uh, okay. well, still only in the active yeah. though. So we're, yeah, we're still talking yeah. only in the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. and then we have some um, repacks, I guess, for Code One. So with the Hackers Land pack, um, so I think Ryan said it very well in our group chat. Um, this is a great box of proxies. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, buy this even yeah, if you don't play Hack Islam because you'll probably have a use for it or even if you do play Hack Islam it's, it's good because I mean, the IR is a great looking model it's got a shock marksman rifle yeah. can, ER had dad proxy until the right one comes out um, Hunzakut generic skirmisher and then generic Spitfire AD guy lovely hmm. <laughs> it's an odd it's an odd choice of models I think um, but yeah Fine. I, I, th oh, I think I'm gonna beautiful. try it's and beautiful. I'm gonna try and push shit uphill. I like the eyes so much that I'm gonna try and figure out how to use them as themselves. They definitely have a purpose. Well, go go speak. Well, Rob's here. He's trying it. Hack Islam. Are you gonna be trying it the IR? No. <laughs> yeah, oh, Case oh, closed. Rob. Stop trying. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna bring. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, bring this. <laughs> Look, there's lists. Lists typically have got room for like one or two luxury pieces, and um, Boktars and Sundoks are so so expensive. But I want to use them in lists, and that just means yeah. that the AR is playing second fiddle. He's in that same zone where he's like, oh, absolutely, forty point, 40 point vanity bullshit. Yeah, <sighs> they just they, like they just need to give him a viral weapon, and then he'd be fine. They've got viral weapons. They've got no, viral pistol plus one burst. No, that's not a pistol. If they had six two move, if they had six two move and yeah, were true. cheaper, they'd be yeah. they'd be pretty legit. Like, yeah, yeah. I still but... don't get the uh, the hidden deployment option. I still don't see where the use is in that. Well, I, I was talking. Um, I can't remember who I was talking to about it, but because Hollow Projector gives you a marker state, if you use the hidden deployment one, they do come out with Hollow Projector. Yeah, so yes. so fucking so fucking what? I don't know. Like I don't yeah, know. Like I'm like, like I'm like cool, but what what application? Like where is the application? It's a unique, yeah, it's a unique. Hidden deployment skills, Panzer but... is not the worst thing in the world, but for forty points, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like you've got an Adira I mean, for twenty four, twenty or twenty seven if you want the Panzer Faust well, I... badly. I mean, the, the the I mean, he does have surprise attack minus six. I know that's not the greatest. Which is only reality. useful in which is only useful in active. So let's just well, say surprise which, attack which, is always out. Yeah. Which means that then, yeah, if you're yeah. using an active, the whole projector is like why? Because you just go, yeah. I'll activate. I reveal my three whole projectors. I move and I. I you know I move. What do you do? You uh mm. you you do nothing. I reveal. I shoot you. Meh. Yeah. It's like, I I know I know this is like an expensive use for a freaking IR, but he can be good at getting rid of mines and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's high benefit. Yeah. It's nice. If only if only the faction had access to an eight six impetuous shock immune dogged profile that you could <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, and uh, moving on, we have also a much better, a uh, much more interesting pack, I think. Um ALF booster pack with the awesome Asura. Mm. Uh, that's the Naga hacker, I think. Love that and, Naga. That's one of my favorite And the Garuda boarding shotgun, it looks like, I guess. Mm. Yeah, it um, is. Yeah, three really good models, three really useful models, uh, three really nice looking models too. 
They're amazing models. I think they're all fives for me. Like all every single one of those models is a five for me. I get, five, I, I remember seeing the Azura when they first uh, announced like OSS and everything. It was it's I the Azura got me into Infinity, and to see that one come out is just I, like it was so good when it first came out. I still love the damn thing. Yeah, Rob, have um, you ever dirtied your hands with Aleph? Uh, not extensively. <laughs> It's just oh, a little bit. This is the it's man just, here. Probably my least favorite played faction because I don't have an easy proxy for them. Yep, perfect. Um, all right. Now, Val, you said you sent me something, but I can't find it, so that'll do uh, for that's that. Fine. It, was, it, was, it was literally just a screenshot oh. of Carlos uh, with the three, the name of the top three players from CanCon. It was uh, Rob, um, Tom, oh, and myself. Oh, right, yes. Wanted. Sorry, yes. Um, that's fine. Well, no, it's, um, do you want to just, just mention that really quickly then? Yeah, no, it was just yeah, it was more of a joke. But basically, yeah, um, Rob uh, in the LVO video that uh, Carlos made for the guys in America, he also shouted out uh, the CanCon top three, uh, which by the way I was part of. Thank you very much. Um, but I was still riding that high. But yeah, but basically he mentioned uh, Rob by name and congratulated him on his win. Uh, well done, Rob. Uh, I'll echo that. And uh, yeah, they had a little screenshot which I sent to pretty much everyone I know. Mm -hmm. Of basically the top three um, stand uh, top three finishes at CanCon. So, um, senpai uh, noticed me moment right now, Val. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly right, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, that's uh, my the highlight of my. Yeah, Carlos Bostria said our names, Val. <laughs> he said our yeah, names. Well, no, 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 Rob, don't rub it in, man. He only said your name. Okay, but he showed you <laughs> he on screen. Right? It's the same thing. Yeah. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, and just on the releases, just before we go, we don't have any pictures of it because they didn't show any, but they are doing a repack of the old US Ariadna. Mm. I can't remember what it was called, Army Box, uh, yeah. whatever it was called as an action pack, um, which is great because when we took a look at US Ariadna, they're awesome. Yeah, keep those US in production. Fun. They're super nice. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it, my, still, my favorite thing is the bullshit you can do with the um, boarding shotgun Maverick. What's that then? Yeah, yeah. You, the you, you, and, you and drop its own smoke, and it's got yeah. MSV one, so it can template through its own smoke. Always, always handy. All right. Well, that's uh, announcements and news out of the way. So we're gonna go and have a really quick uh, break, and then we'll be right back to discuss Rob's experience at CanCon. Hey, folks, and we're back to uh, the second half of the show. Um, to discuss uh, go through um, Rob Cantrell's experience of CanCon um, now if you are aware of Rob he has a very cool YouTube channel where he posts battle reports and um, analysis um, and he has done all five I believe now Rob you've done all five of your games yep. from CanCon yep they are up now on YouTube and they are great so we will uh, we would love to uh, if you want an in-depth detail of the individual games he played at CanCon uh, go watch his YouTube um, like, subscribe, and uh, watch. Um, tonight, uh, we're going to be doing a slightly different um, take on it. Uh, Val, do you want to talk about what we want to get into tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so basically, what we want to do is obviously, like you said, uh, Rob's got his videos on YouTube, and he's very uh, thorough with his uh, game analysis in those. So instead of having him repeat himself too much, uh, we thought we'd take advantage and maybe dig into, I guess, Rob's approach to the game, his preparation for the events, um, and just some general, uh, I guess, opinions he has on Infinity, and just get yeah, really take advantage of his presence in the, in that sense. Um, so yeah. 
Does that sound good to you, oh. Rob? Yeah, I will be by, guided by you guys. Yeah, easy as. Uh, easy as. Um, so, yeah, basically, I guess we might as well just uh, kick off with some uh, questions. So, I guess the, one of the questions, Rob, um, going to events, um, how do you like your Infinity? Uh, do you put, love the tournament play or do you prefer the casual stuff or narrative stuff? What's kind of your preference for Infinity? So, my, my favorite kind of Infinity is actually running running small one-day three-round events where I get to play one or two of those games and otherwise get to just helicopter mum all of the players. Um, so for me, the ideal number of games in a day is like one or two. And once you get to three, the brain strain starts to get pretty strong. Mm. And if I'm running the event and just kind of like playing a couple of rounds during it, I've also got, like, I don't score myself in those events. I don't list myself in the... Um, in the placings, so there's zero pressure for me whatsoever. So I get to just play. I guess just you know do whatever, have fun. But I, I get to do it in an environment where other people have like sharpened their knives and are playing their best and are you know trying to do things that are competitive. So that's the that's the real sweet spot. Um, and like casual play is generally just sweet as well. Canberra is a a real mixed meta as far as like casual and competitive focuses. Um, we usually structure ourselves around events about every six weeks, just little ones, like I mentioned. Um, but we do the thing where everyone, like, sort of two to three months out from CanCon or NovaCore when it was running, you do start seeing people begin to zero in on that. So you tend to have, like, Christmas, Christmas Infinity, um, November, December, January in, a, in Canberra. Everyone starts kind of like playing the same thing over and over and zeroing in on their lists and practicing and playing the same five scenarios <laughs> for three months, yeah. um, which is not bad, but it's not my favorite way to play the game. I mean, are you, are you, I suppose, even for this CanCon, did you join in that sort of thing? Did you? Yeah, yeah I did. So and I made were... a, I actually made more of a conscious effort to for this CanCon than I probably have for other major events. Have you yeah. won CanCon before? Quick question. Nope. I, I forget. No, oh, so that was your first. I've gone undefeated at CanCon before, but I've never won. Ah, uh, congratulations, mate. Uh, mm -hmm. That's huge. I, I, I thought you won, but then somebody mentioned, I thought you've won before. Someone mentioned, no, that was your first one. I'm like, no, surely not. This uh, is, so, no, well yeah, done. Robbie, you're part of the special is Australian infinity breed that can say, I'm going to win this CanCon, and then they just do it. I uh, just do it is probably a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, sorry, sorry. I, I should, I should, crack. I should say, I should say, you say you're going to win CanCon and you succeed is what I meant. Uh, I, I was aiming to, I was aiming to win CanCon. I didn't fucking succeed. No, I told everyone I was going to win as well. You're not, you're uh, not special. <laughs> yeah, obviously not. Nah, uh, what's the name? I was actually just. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, just but staying on events. Um, so what do you? So obviously you you still compete in like the five day events, and you've attended the big the biggest ones. What do you? I guess in uh, like enjoy in tournament play, uh, and what I guess don't you enjoy in tournament play? I mean, the easiest thing to add to this is what I don't enjoy, and what I don't enjoy is um, the sense of competitive pressure, but like stakes around a game. Um, it's some people really thrive on this, but for me, going into a game, a recreational activity, going into a game of Infinity and um, thinking that the outcome of this game somehow matters more because of the context that it's in. It's like, it's important to win this. I don't think, like, Infin Australian Infinity players are fucking legends, like, almost universally. They're just incredible people to play against. They're super good. 
the events, even CanCon is like um, really good social experiences, yeah. but you don't get the absolute best out of everyone. You get these higher levels of stress. Um, that that sort of like that competitive vibe um, is not my favorite thing. Some people, they thrive on it. Some people, they really like the, particularly the focus that it gives them. Yeah. Um, but for me, that's a mixed bag. Um, this was comfortably the most enjoyable CanCon for me. I think that I've had a close, like I've had some really good ones. Um, they've, they've, you know, generally they're, they're a good experience, but I know the community now better than I ever have. Like unsurprisingly, I've been playing for longer. And so there were more games that were with friends or people who I've met, but who like are super cool, which took the edge off in a big way, actually, which was really good. Um, but yeah, otherwise um, the, sorry, just to finish the thought. Um, yeah, sure. I do think having the, having tournaments to sort of like set the focus of the event of the, sorry, of the game of like a meta from time to time is really good. So being like, Hey everyone, the next event's going to have these three scenarios. So as a bit of a hint, maybe that's what we're playing for the next couple of weeks. Um, I think communities really benefit from that. It gives people something to think about. It lets them focus their thoughts. Um, it lets you introduce like variety and push people in different directions but because CanCon is such a big deal having that for like two months or three months if you're like being really serious um i haven't played a scenario other than one of the CanCon scenarios in like since october <laughs> and it's five scenarios so there's some variety in there and it's a really good scenario pack which helps as well but uh yeah i was really glad to play frontline on Mon on tuesday because it's not acquisition, <laughs> cryogenic supremacy, etc. Yeah. Can I um, ask? I'm just sticking on the missions. Um, what, what was your most confident mission? What was your least confident mission? Um, out of the pack. Least confident was supplies. Um, the supplies is always such a like knowing how to play first turn in supplies. I didn't have to. I just lost the lieutenant role um, as I did most most rounds in CanCon. Um, but yeah. knowing how to play that as the first player is really challenging. And as the second player, like it's so easy to end up in a situation in supplies where you're in a really novel experience in terms of trying to dig yourself out because if your opponent has got like two supply boxes all the way over the side of the table, but you haven't lost a casualty, lost a, lost a model, well, that's good except that you've now got to like punch all the way through the side of the table. Like you have all of these weird and and sort of mm. novel and complicated and difficult things to do in supplies. Yeah. Um or you play the mission perfectly and your opponent just has a grenade launcher and you're fucked. Right? <laughs> just just did, that, did that happen to anyone, Val? Did that happen to No, fuck me, dead. There were some there were some grenade launcher plays at CanCon, some fucking Hail Marys. That one. <laughs> um probably the most confident was acquisition, not by any huge margin. But acquisition is a scenario that, with Toha in particular, I'm really comfortable going first. Yeah. I'm really comfortable going second. I know how to play that scenario either way. Toha uniquely can play acquisition from second player really well and from first player really well. They've got yeah. all the tools for it. 16-inch um, deployment zones means you can just step on your opponent's throat early if you need to. And the fact that your entire army can generate, like you've got so much Eclipse, means that if you're going second, you can just survive and always get to the buttons on the last turn. Yeah. So. Yeah, probably. Right. That, yeah, you got that excellent area denial as well. Yep, that's pretty good actually. Um, do you actually, Kev, Kev, Jacob, do you enjoy tournament play? Because I absolutely froth it. Like, I, I love that. Like, nothing for me. 
the best Infinity for me is like a tight game. I, I usually get the tightest games at like events where mm. everyone's kind of tuned and honed and good to go. Um, I don't know, but that's me. I don't know. What about you guys, actually? I thought it's just an interesting... I mean, the, mo- the majority of our games we play are ITS, so they're always tournament-focused. Even if they're casual, yeah. they're still kind of tournament-focused. Um, I, I enjoy a fun game. Um, I, I, I enjoy a game that doesn't feel stressful, um, even if it's uh, so. Uh, um, but at the same time, I enjoy tournament play, mostly, mostly because I get to play three games in a day and often against people I don't often play against. Um, so that's the I, I take the I take a lot of the social um, aspect of tour, of tournament play, and I take that as being my kind of most uh, fun part of it. Um, I don't particularly dislike tournament play. Uh, you know, I don't have a particular aversion to competitive play, but um, you know, I I know that I have I have. Uh, I have, uh, you know, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, I can be my own worst enemy. So the more casual the game, the the less likely I am to tilt, and the more fun I'll have. So um, uh, I bet you know that's that's also down to a mindset thing. So um, and I think um, Infinity is geared towards ter- um, competitive style play um, rather than say playing um, other games where maybe the the uh, focus is more is a lot more on narrative style. Um, yeah, that, that's just how Infinity for me is is, and I like it because it's it's structured in that way. So you can, um, you know, there's a reason why I've got like a hundred and one lists on my army. It's because I like building, I like building them to try them out to to see how they go. And because you're often playing within a set, you know, twenty missions, um, mm-hmm. it it it's a it's a nice um, it's a it's 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 the preset parameters to play in and i think that's what i like about about its or and the structure of its is really good yeah yeah i mean it doesn't it doesn't lend itself hugely to like i just want to go and throw some dice as like some other games do because you you always kind of have to think so lethal um, as well sure even even a casual game of infinity is a pretty like intense mental effort yes and, and and I'm used to that, but I I I can look at that and still have call that to me a casual game because I'm yeah. going into it with that mindset. Um, you know what I mean? If someone who wasn't used to playing Infinity, or if they were, you know, they played two different games and one was Infinity and the other one was say I don't know 40k, for example, then they might have a different outlook on Infinity. But for me, who my main is Infinity, um, I can take I can take any game as being a a, a casual game. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm quite, quite there with Rob. I'm, I, I suppose sometimes I struggle in tournaments when I feel like there are stakes. That's why I think every my sort of um, uh, ritual whenever I go to a tournament is to go straight and look at the prize table, convince myself that I don't actually need any of the prizes, and therefore ah, yeah, I could just oh. be casual. Um, yeah. No. <clears throat> there's never. I think there's. But- but but, but watch like, out! But watch out, folks, for the time that the fiddler is on the table for uh, for, for uh, <laughs> on the prize pool. <laughs> Jacob's coming yeah. for you. No no no! It's it's actually Big Sheet. Uh, was it Big Sheet? Big Sheet. Yeah, I want, want. I really want her. But I've actually got. I've actually got the um, Aristea version of her. So I might just use that. Yeah. The Aristea model is a banging model. Yeah, actually, just uh, going back to Rob's point. How? Oh, sorry, Fell. Oh, no, no, you go. You go, Rob. No, you were saying something. What did you say? Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, so I was out. just saying um, it was just interesting. Uh, yeah, my intense appreciate. But I was just saying it's interesting how you felt. Um, going back to the point, how you said you were more comfortable in the tournament environment because you you had a, like uh, interpersonal relation with most of the people you played in the sense yeah. that you've been around them long enough to kind of see them in like their friendly state as well as in the competitive state. So it was just easier to navigate that. Mm. Um, I guess that that I guess tension that comes with like competitive play. Um, yep. And yeah, I think I think that's a really good point because um, I've played Hector a lot and playing him in a tournament, he's pretty focused and um, he's just in one of the examples. But I love playing. I love playing him like when he's fully switched on. Like it's a it's a different like it's a it's like a different person. But at the end of the day, because I know him from an interpersonal level, it's just like yeah, I, I can see that like I can bring both sides back to the to the one I know like from a casual point. And yeah, um, I, I can do that with anyone, right? I think it's important. Yeah, my, my only concern sometimes when like I'm playing a tournament is, uh, especially when I remember oh, even recently like Burn City Brawl, like you play uh, some particular oh, games wow. where you're you're just crushing somebody, and you're like, it is a tournament, so I have to keep crushing you, but you feel really bad because you don't want to, you don't want your experience spoiled, but you definitely don't want to spoil someone else's experience. Um, which yeah. is why it's nice to, to play with people that you know, because then you, you know you can be competitive, but you got that um, uh, rapport. I think um, I think though um, we'll we'll have to move on, but I think the yeah. uh, in general Infinity players are quite like you know I I can't say I've ever had a bad game against a stranger in Infinity uh, yeah. at, at a tournament. Everyone's always been very lovely, um, or at least. Um, like there's been good communication that that you don't end up having uh, a bad experience. It's very rare that you have a bad experience yeah. in Infinity. Yeah. Infinity is um, a hugely social game to play, and anyone yeah. who's played it for any length of time learns how to like just have a conversation with a human being, basically. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. exactly. No. Um, um, I was just gonna, um, yeah, actually, Rob, just to stay on events. Um, so you you mentioned obviously your opinions on tournament play. There is a really big tournament going on at the moment, the IGL, which is obviously the TTS league, which is um, yeah, a big event with a lot of players. Were you tempted by that at all to partake? Not really. Um, I think uh, it's uh, Ollie. I think is the guy that runs it. Um, yes. I always yeah. get online hey, names and yeah, um, he's an absolute legend, and the work that that team does is tremendous. And the the concept of a truly international event that people from across the world can play is awesome. Um, but I've played in online events, and the compromises that you have to make to make an online event work um, are really significant. And harsh the vibe for me just enough to be like, mm. it's awesome that it exists, it's not for me. Um, in particular, the fact that those things run for like, like eight weeks, eight I think, weeks. right? Like a four round, like it's two rounds per two weeks yeah. per round. Mm. Um, having to having to lock in lists, like not being able to vary at all for such a long period of time. Mm -hmm. um, both one, don't enjoy that, but two, I think it does some weird things to the meta. Um, mm -hmm. But then on top of that, the like the fact that you've got to like they have to, right? They release all of the um, the tables the right? tables in advance, mm. which means that if you if you're trying to seriously compete, have uh, you ever heard the phrase um, "Given the opportunity, gamers will optimize the fun out of a game." Yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> it gives such an opportunity to do that because you've got the table right there. You can play, you can play thirty practice games on the table that you're going to play round three in. Yeah, and yeah. Oh, god, that turns the game into a job super fast. It's awful. And you can it's awful. you can say, "Well, just don't do that," and you're like, "Absolutely right. I could just not do that, <laughs> but I'm going to be playing against someone who might have prisoner's okay. dilemma." Thank you very much. You've screwed me. 
So, could they not? Could um, they not like um, hold the tables off until the round is starts? Like until like two, two weeks, week period. Two weeks to do your to do your rounds. Um, I would be interested if they ever tried something like because they're going to be pretty close to having built a, a robust like. There's going to be a big pool of IGL tables by this point. Um, it would be interesting if they actually could do a thing where it's like when you like sit random. down with your opponent, you randomly generate from like twenty tables. Yeah, and you're yeah. playing That's on a great that idea. one. That's a great idea. I think, I think the other thing, especially with idea. TTS, is you you are committing to like what? four or five hours to play the game. Oh, I, have I a mean, hack not for that. Yeah, I um every t after a certain point, every online game that I played, um, I would schedule something to begin like two and a half hours after the game started. <laughs> yeah. And so I would just tell my opponent, hey, look, I've, been, like, I've got two and a half hours to play this. Um, is that cool? Uh, oh. And it just, like... Nice. Yeah. My sister's giving birth again. Yeah. I feel like with, like, just, like, the difficulty of moving things in TTS... No, no, no. If you play it... If 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 you play uh, it if you, you play you, it often it's not that big a deal. But what what what, yeah, what I did want to mention there though was about that uh, about talking about the tables. Um, and we're not going to get into a TTS discussion, but I'd be surprised if that's not been something that's been trialed before, right? Because that's I, I that's a similar criticism. Well, not quite criticism, but a reason why I don't I agree with you, Rob, that um, releasing tables in advance gives players the opportunity to optimize. But then why not then try to emulate in real life events more in that that you're you know like like you say here's 20 tables um you'll get randomized you will get given a table before the you know when your um pairings announced you'll be table one of 20 or table two of 20 mm. right why, why isn't that something that's norm why is it being this this way like because so, surely, that, surely surely that's, they, a, they cho surely that's some, a choice yeah. well they have to make some concessions in terms of organizing the igl because it takes place over such a long time period that tournament organizers themselves live in certain time zones. Um, it's got to be run in a way where the players can handle a fair amount of yeah. the of the work. Mm. And so the compromise that they've arrived at is here's the here's the table pack. Everyone's playing on these tables, and mm. it's it's one of those like it's a really smart compromise when you think about the massive obstacle that they're overcoming, which is that people are literally in different countries. Um, but it would be really cool, for example, if if they're approaching a point now where mm. they have enough tables that they've made over the course of literal years to be able to do a, when you and your player sit there, you log into TTS and you're ready to play, one of you rolls a D20 and that's mm. the table that you're playing for this game. Um, just to, just to short circuit that, that desire that players will have to practice and practice and practice on this one table and then practice and practice and practice on the next table and et cetera. Um, but yeah. now, but the thing is, they'll just be passing, passing, passing on twenty tables. But that's um, that's a way more varied experience, right? <laughs> that's like, I, that's that's just called normal practice, Val. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no I, but it's uh, like they'll preload all the tables before the game, and they'll test that on every single table. Well, yeah. I think you know, if someone, stuff. do you know what I did before CanCon? <laughs> I played on like twenty different tables. <laughs> Oh, did you actually? Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, different configurations because every table you set up, you set up your terrain, and it's a slightly different configuration. Like that's yeah. just normal practice. No, I mean, I mean, the, we we did that, you know, in the lead up to CanCon, Road to CanCon. I think there was a few tables that were deliberately set up to look like Sydney tables, right? Because you know, it's just like four bits of terrain in the middle, <laughs> and nothing touching the edges. <laughs> you just trying to start. You just trying, and, trying to I mean, start I'm not starting Kevin, something. I'm just stating a fact. Um, 
it was, oh, you know, ben, who was the TO at the time, I think he, you know, he jokingly was like, "This is a Sydney Sub table." Text. I don't know if that was the deliberate Sub thing, text. but there was a, there was a few jokes that made about it. Yeah, no, um, yeah. but people played on it and they had fun, and yeah. and I think that's no, that's you know that's what people do. Um, um, I'll just quickly ask this one. I think Rob's already answered the next question. Uh, Rob, what are the chances you're going to Spain to represent Australia? And would a GoFundMe page and a Spanish tutor in the name of Hector at all influence this decision? Well, no. Um, no, I don't think I'm going. Um, in some respects, it would be awesome, but uh, I've got too much other stuff that's going on this year. And the... The, the pressure, like I mentioned, there are a lot of things that I like about events. Um, I, I like, you know, the structure. I like the play, meeting, meeting the people. I like playing with people that I've, you know, met through the event. Um, I like the social aspect. I like the sort of finely honed games. Um, but I don't like the sense of stakes in a game. I don't like... I don't like the not being able to be as chill as I might otherwise be. Mm -hmm. And if you tell me, Rob, you are representing Australia, you have thrown every ounce of chill out the window. <laughs> um, and there is no way I would be able to dissociate myself from that. So, Rob yeah, just yeah, walks, yeah, and Rob I think, just and walks it, up to the first table and projectile vomit. So yeah, and I think one way, yeah, to, yeah, bit, yeah. Yeah, one way to diffuse that situation, and, and I know Hector has um, raised it, I, I don't think it'll happen this year, but has talked about he really wants he really wants to go to Interplanetario. And of course, like in Interplanetario, you, you you do get an invite to it, but you can also just sign up as a normal player and enter. Um, but yeah, if, there's a qualifiers you know, on the day. Yep. Yeah. If if we so wanted cool. if we wanted to, we could organize a crew, um, you know, two at one year to take that kind of edge. Of it. I know what you mean because like Lockie's been there, uh, you know, several years ago. And oh yeah, Lockie's just, the only one who's gone. And it was just him, and I can imagine how how stressful that might have been for him. Um, you know, ha not knowing anybody, like might have known people from the internet, from the forums, and and from Facebook, but you know, not having anyone else there, I can imagine that being. I very know daunting. he had like one experience where he sat down with someone to have a chat, and only later did they realize that he was that guy from the he was that guy from the internet <laughs> in this particular case because he has he's oh, had some firm no. opinions on the internet over the years. They had a great oh, chat, no. and it was one of those like, oh, in person, this is totally fine. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, it, it does. There, there is a gravitas so that comes that comes along with it, and um, and it's not it's not maybe as difficult for those who live in Europe, um, who you know it's a lot easier to get to, and I, there's more of an interming, intermingling intermingling of um, communities over there. I would certainly follow the if the Lost of Lieutenant team sent over a crew, like I would follow your adventures keenly. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. right. Follow right. from a distance, though. Not follow it. Twenty-four. I mean, ah, I mean, quick. I mean, actually, quick, quick plug. While we're on it, um, I am on the committee for the in Infinity Team Championship that's just started being um, discussed for twenty twenty-four. Well, if you shop, you'll find out. Um, uh, the Infinity <laughs> Team Championship has been has been birthed recently, uh, and it's going to basically be a team a team tournament. Um, that'll be hosted somewhere probably in Europe next year. And the intention is to get um, teams of three or five um, people from different countries to all gather and descend on one venue over one weekend. And we do a, a team a team tournament in a similar vein to, I think, with how the European Team Championship works for, used to work for Warhammer and the same one for Warmer Hordes and, and et cetera. Yep. Um, and I think for Guild Ball. Um, and it sounds really fun. And I'm really excited to be part of the team who's like trying to promote it. But like I say, it's early stages. But 2024, people, like, keep your ear to the ground. There will be more information forthcoming soon. Mm. Oh, you freaking <laughs> what? I don't know if there's going to be a streaming setup for that, but and I'm not sure if I could afford to go, 
but I would fucking love to be on the like if there's a commentary team or something. Oh my god, that would be okay. I'm gonna get. I'll, I'll feed that back to the guys. Oh, what, what guys? I came third CanCon. How have I not heard about this? This is bullshit. You're just not as well known Does as my me. My name carry no weight. No, oh, this is. Bullshit. <laughs> I mean, maybe more now. <laughs> no. You can be the team captain for uh, Team Australia for uh, for next year. Uh, um, nah, but anyway, yeah, more more details to come uh, out for that soon. That does sound sad. Um, okay, so uh, where are we up to now? Um, did you want to ask yeah, a question? Yep. Yeah, just last couple of questions. Uh, Rob, did you actually get to see any of the CanCon? And what do you think of CanCon? Do you actually enjoy the con style yeah. of the event? Or um, no? So the because we had we had like two and a bit hour round times with fairly luxurious breaks in between because we had a really early start on all the CanCon days. It was like rock up and roll dice, like dice rolling at nine o'clock pretty much every day. Um, which meant that, you know, we finished the first round at like 11, basically, if you were quick. So I had a lot of time to go around and see the rest of the con. Uh, I think it was, I don't know if they were, it might've been a bit of illusion by like, maybe they had more vendor floor space than before or something, but I don't think I've ever seen CanCon this busy. It felt packed, like tons of people, not quite enough of them wearing masks to be frank, but like, that is what it is. But, um, just, just absolutely, particularly on the Saturday and the Sunday, um huge energy on the floors like you know vendors people walking around cosplay magic players all of the like just the everything the massive tournament spaces um mm. huge age of sigmar event in the one yeah, of the big halls awesome. infinity was the biggest event up in the fitzroy pavilion um mm. tons they, of tons of games there it, it was did, awesome did they make it to 300 at the uh age of sigmar event do you know i don't know no, but it was something it was huge yeah that's, but the thing incredible. is, here's some controversy I heard secondhand, and everyone loves controversy. They only played five rounds, so the as far as like deciding what? top player, well, only we played. Yeah, five they only played five rounds. Sorry, but they Did have we... 220 players, so they had. How many undefeated one... is that? Yeah, it'd be a, be a few. Exactly, but they're, they're different yeah. ways. Yeah, exactly right. Um, but no, th- th- it's an awesome achievement by them, and yeah, huge congratulations to getting tw- 220 players. That's massive. That's awesome. Because yeah. um, so, I, I know yep. uh, last year, Rob, and I know there's probably more COVID. COVID? Jesus Christ, my, my mouth today. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I've got a bit of a cold, so my mouth's not working properly. But last year, uh, you we had the Infinity event outside of CanCon. Um, yes. Is, that, is there any, um, your opinion on the event in general? Do you feel that most people are happy to go back to having the Infinity Nationals at CanCon itself? It's hard to say. So I think so. Okay, look, pros and cons, right? Last year we did it offsite because there was there was a lot of concern around the like the fact that the pandemic was still quite active. Uh, I went and caught COVID anyway, <laughs> um, so that was great fun. Um, the advantages of being offsite is that you get a little more control over the venue. Uh, CanCon is a little bit renowned. If you have a real shit summer's day, those those big sheds are only evaporatively cooled and they only do so much. Um, but on the other hand, there's a certain something to being being in that, like big crowd, big energy, all the war gamers being able to see everything. So I suspect it'll stay now that like people are more comfortable. We're, we're, we're moving through the pandemic. I suspect it'll stay at CanCon. Um, but uh, you... I would really like a venue with air conditioning. <laughs> nah, I, 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 I'm very much pro-staying with part of CanCon, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's big. Do you actually did you notice that conquest was being played right behind us? I didn't even get a chance. To, I only heard this on like day three or day two. Yeah, I went and had a look. Like, oh, you know, Con- I didn't even I didn't realize they were even there. Like, I'm like, it was like I think it was the uh, first event they've had in the Southern Hemisphere ever. 
Oh, awesome. awesome. Do you know how many, how, awesome. was it well, yeah. rep, well represented? 16, I think. Yeah, okay. something like that. 16 players. Cool. Yeah. I, I, yeah, all my games went to time, so like, uh, well, pretty much to time, so I, I hardly got a chance to see anything except day two. Where, that is the problem that I've heard. Break. I did hear back from a few of our, our players, especially some of the, I guess, newer ones, um, that they didn't get to see any of the con because, you know, their games go to time. They've got enough time to maybe grab grab something to eat and take a piss and then it's back into the next round and then I guess the round three finishes and everyone's sort of looking to clear out by then and then the Sunday yeah. I guess is when the vendors start packing up so um, it's interesting yeah. Yeah. I, I felt like the lunch breaks especially unless you were planning to do something social with your lunch break that was like okay, was I finished time. my games I finished all my games pretty quickly but um, the I had a lot of time like those because we had like an hour and a half for those lunch breaks almost. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. a good amount of time. Yeah. To do a little the mental load, though, games. like... Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah that's fair. It's, that's it's, fair. It's, still not, it's still not a huge amount of time to get lunch, try and, like, browse slowly. I mean, you could do it, you could run around CanCon in an hour and a half. The, I guess the only other way to do it would be to, to, do, to do a 2-3 split, where it's two games on day one, three games on day two, so that you've got the afternoon on ah, a Saturday. That might be an option if someone wants to, like... Not a half bad idea. The, the the issue though is the people who want to get home on the last day, having three uh, yeah, hours, yeah. they're not leaving too late. But yeah. but I I mean that would be a welcome idea. I think as well that what complicated this year is because the Australia Day was on the Thursday and we didn't you didn't mm. run CanCon on that long weekend. It was the weekend before. Yeah, I have no idea why that was. Um, yeah. yeah, I feel like that was just a, a an error there on the maybe the organizers' part or just forgot when it was going to be. I don't know. I mean, yeah, not, yeah, not no sure. idea to be honest, but uh, yeah, but yeah. Anyway, uh, should we dive into the fashion oh, I breakdown? I did, yeah, I have one more that, question actually. Yeah. Um, was there a narrative event at CanCon this year? Yep. To run one on the Monday for people who wanted to show up. It was basically if you'd registered for the ITS, you had free entry into casual play narratives Aristea on the Monday. I was off site on the Monday. I was catching up with some friends. Um, and doing doing some other stuff. Um, so I was not there. I'm not actually sure if it ran. It was a, uh, we've got the stuff prepared. If anyone turns up, we'll play it. But I don't know if anyone, I think there was some Aristea that was played instead in some casual games. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah. It's it's a tricky same, one. Same I, I, I really like the idea. I really like the idea of having, I actually really like the idea of having an Aristea event running alongside mm. um, Infinity at CanCon, but I, I know that it's not as big and yeah, it will pull players away from the main event. It splits the player base, yeah. You've got to run yeah. it. You've got to run it in a way that doesn't compete with um, the main event. Yeah, yeah. I wish I played Josh in Aristea. Actually, I completely forgot he was a bit. He was big into Aristea, and he was there. I was chatting to him all weekend. So Go JT. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he um, on I the? Wish... Oh no, he's not. He's not. No, nah, he's not on tonight. He's not, he's no, not, on, tonight. He's not on tonight. Um, he's upset since we didn't review his list. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> he's not actually upset. Submissions uh, were closed, but anyway, um, the submissions were closed. Yeah, he's still on the night. Um, but. Okay, uh, faction breakdown, I guess. Yes, I guess let's move into faction breakdown. So, um, we we <laughs> we reached out to the community uh, and we and we pulled together all the armies. We think we think we think we got them all right. No, like Chris Johnson, who was one of the teals on the on the on the weekend, he he reached out to a lot of the players and we got a lot of the um, blanks filled um, because not everyone submitted their lists, and we all know OTM's a piece of shit. So. It's not always easy to um, scour all the lists, or sorry, all the um, armies from those who took part. But we do have, we do have a faction breakdown. 
um, for those interested. Um, so uh, we had a total of 51 armies on the, oh sorry, 51 players on that weekend. Um, of those 51, 13 were vanilla and 38 were sectoral. So I don't know if that's unusual. Um, I feel like that's like a lot less, a lot fewer vanilla. You know, yeah. coming coming from, I'm not going to say similar armies, but coming from having played Toha and just having played uh, Vanilla Hak Islam, uh, Rob, do you think, because we're seeing this a lot, uh, do you think that you have a bit more fun with the sectorials just because it's thematic or something like that? Or is it just is it just sort of power gaming stuff? I personally enjoy Vanilla way more than sectoral. Um, I think the two of them tend to be powerful in different ways. Yeah. Um, vanilla has, I mean, I've been on record about this before. Vanilla has versatility going for it. Sectoral has like high watermark mechanical power. Um, but if you look at that, like a 25 75 split, that's really close to the actual split between number of vanilla and number of sectorals. True. Probably. Um, yeah, so point. that's just, that just feels like law of averages at play. Actually, I might just mm. put this, pull this up on the screen while you guys can continue talking. I'm just going to, that's do a very some yeah. what, what's interesting here. is, um, no faction was represented by more than four players. Yep. No sectorial or faction, which was pretty cool. Um, mm. So the most, uh, the most that had four, the most represented was OSS with four, Phil Phalanx with four, Ayla Vanilla with four, and Aconta Cemento. Uh, that one, su- that one surprises me. Um, Aconta Cemento. It's a, it's Cemento. Mainly just because it's out of, it's an out of production army. I know it's quite a good army. Um, but just to see it have like four people playing it. There we go. All right. So like, I've got this up sample size now. is fundamentally small. Four, yeah. like in a vacuum, four people play the Conta Cemento is a uh, it's pretty it's like oh okay yeah it's that's fine. a thing that could happen. Um, yeah. Uh, what about like no who, people? I'm oh, sorry. Um, nobody playing Varuna or NCA is like again. It's a that's a little like in a hundred person event. I'd have probably expected like at least one of each of those. Yeah. Um, what about nobody played playing the Ariadna? Um, was, I think no Phil vanilla Ariadna is interesting. Yeah, no vanilla yeah. Ariadna is huge. Yeah. So we'll just I'll, just world? just for our, just for our listeners out there um, that aren't on YouTube land who can't see this. Um, yeah. The 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 interesting things like you said there was there was off the vanillas. Every vanilla was represented except for vanilla Ariadna, vanilla Yujing. And vanilla O twelve, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, now O twelve and Yujing, we can speak. We, we, it's not super surprising, but no vanilla Ariadna, I think, was quite surprising given yeah. uh, how people talk about them being quite strong. Um, the other uh, interesting thing was um, the most red JLF presence. Yes, huge JLF presence. So we had four 100%. vanilla, four vanilla, four steel phalanx, and four OSS. Um, so That's makes up, yeah, uh, twelve. Mm. If you do Almost math. a quarter of the field. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, and there was I can say that, but then the least repped was O twelve. There was zero O twelve. Um, which, again, it's not necessarily surprising, but it is. Um, I find it somewhat surprising given that there's a lot of people out there with O twelve models. Yeah. There's just no one decided to think that they would be a good choice to run in this event. I mean, I Rob I, was very I, close to running O twelve. Uh, yeah, and then they playing, didn't put the robot in army. Yeah, <laughs> but playing it, playing um, playing here in Melbourne, I've had my, I've, I, I can have my fill of O twelve players. I remember there was one week where I had to be like, 
had to say, look, I love play, I love all the O12 players. You're all great, but please, somebody oh. who's not playing O12, um, play me. I had yeah. like four games in a row. That was like a month worth of just uh, beating on O12. I found that there was only one Vanilla Nomads player. Um, also interesting, again, just just because of the sheer popularity of Vanilla Nomads out there in the world. Mm. Um, but then having four Tunguska players, given that they're sort of widely seen as the weakest of the three, of the, mm. of, of, of the Nomad factions. I'm wondering if there was a particular choice there in players, um, like, you know, from the mission lineup that made them think Tunguska I, is I know at least, at least one Canberra player was just like, I've played a bunch of vanilla. I know they're good. I'm going to try Tunguska because I want to make it work. It was just a, I want to see if I can do this kind of vibe. Yep. Yeah. Makes, makes sense. Rob Wright. Rob Wright ran Tunguska as well. Um, he's, one. Yeah, yep. he's been sending me, he's been sending me some lists. He's uh, yeah, working through them. He's got some really interesting lists. A lot of like synergies and tricks, but like, I guess if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, when, yeah. When it falls apart, it falls apart. But um, yeah, yeah there's some really interesting stuff. I like um, and, and, and what some people out there may uh, may, may, may take as being very interesting given the last big event that we covered really was probably Nova. Well, actually, it was BCB, but let's just let's talk about Nova Core because that was bigger than BCB. Um, in that there was only three combined army players. Oh, sorry, no, wait, wait, sorry, did I say three? Shame the matter, the meta. Three vanilla, one more at two shows of SDI. So, uh, six total, hmm. so about 12% of the field. Yeah. Oh, but sorry. None of them. Not no combined army. No vanilla combined army made it into the top twenty. So um, one Shaz Vasti did it player. Australia. Yep. Yeah. We, we did it. <laughs> <laughs> we about the EI. <laughs> yeah. There was no no combined army player. All right. Well, there was. Sorry. There was one Shaz Vasti player that made it into the top twenty. But as far as vanilla combined, none of them are top twenty. Same with Morat. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you say, that's that has quite a turnaround from um, Nova Core last year. Yeah, Nova Core was a really good mission lineup for combined army because mm. it was really hacking centric. Whereas CanCon, you couldn't just go all in on hacking and expect mm. to play every mission perfectly, um, which I think probably played into it a bit. And then there have been, yeah, like the combined army was comfortably the most powerful faction, like not by an astronomical margin, but you could look at them and be like, they're probably the best um, mm-hmm. before the Imatron, Tega, and Avatar nerfs. Um, it was those having. And those things coming in are like, okay, no, this faction is, frankly, combined army is still really, really good. Mm. Um, but the, Alan. you know, it's a disruption. And there's nothing like a nerf. There's nothing like a nerf to make people put something down for a couple of months. Yeah. No, Not I, a I nerf, a change. Oh, come it on. It's a, it's a, no, it's a, it's a straight nerf. Right. It's, an, it's an increase <laughs> in points. It's, it's a flat army, nerf no matter how you Combined army took three significant nerfs. And it's still a very powerful faction, but that's yeah. the kind of thing that makes people go like, okay, I'm going to come back to them in six months. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. The other... So let, the other let, those, let those icky things. It was a rebalancing away, rather than... I prefer yeah. the terminology rebalancing. Okay. Nerf, As a combined because... army player, it was a 100% deserved nerf. <laughs> yes. And it wasn't yeah. a huge Robert, one, right? The game is perfectly balanced. Sorry, I guess you don't know the inside joke, Rob, but... um. In my opinion, the game's perfectly balanced, and there's nothing to be said for it. He's uh, an he's so. an apologist. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, the other thing was, I mean, I know we mentioned the the, the breakdown in the, the in the in the fifty one, but the breakdown was pretty much the same in the top ten as well. We had three vanilla and seven sectorals. Unless you don't count Toha as being vanilla, in which case it was two vanilla and eight sectorals in the top ten. Uh, quick question on the top ten: How many ISS players? Uh, just one, <laughs> one of two. Sorry. 
Uh, yeah, so it was uh, yeah, Toha number one, Akon number two, and then some guy called Vol Vol SC or Vol. We also in the top in the top top ten we had uh, Vanilla Pano, Vanilla ALF, Bakunin, Steel Phalanx, uh, two Assassin players, and another Steel Phalanx. So um, I mean, I don't think there's an awful lot of like an awful lot to take away from there, other than someone did point out that. Toha and Akon or an ISS to a lesser degree are kind of discontinued or not particularly, you know, like they're like the sorry, ISS isn't discontinued, but Toha and Akon are, and ISS should be. Um uh and then like yeah, two two steel phalanx which are new, two assassins which are new. Um Vanilla Pano doing getting fourth place was nice, um, considering again they're not one vanilla Panarchiano player. Yes, the one. Yes, the the only one. Yeah, you don't you don't um, see vanilla pano too much. It's not it's not common, but it is totally viable. And so that's Zephyr. Um, yeah. Uh, what's his what's his online handle? I think it's it's. Uh, I think I it's Zephyr. Anyway, possessed oxymoron. Yep. Is it? That's right. Yeah. Zephyr. Um, he's a he's a Sydney lad, but he's in the like he's in the Canberra Discord, for example, and he's been he's been working on them for a while. He's uh he's one of the players actually that cut their teeth on. Um, sorry, they are one of the players that cut their teeth on uh, online play. So they they basically learned the game, well, not like 100%, but they did a lot of online play. They got good at it there. And hey, it turns out that translates really well into um, into in-person play. I think this was their first significant event of any size in person. Yeah. Uh, and they killed it. Fourth with Vanilla Pano. Um, some of that was realizing that they were in a bad spot and finding their outs with uh you know for example spec five <laughs> <Bay Launchers. laughs> like, miss, like here's the thing right it's a skill to recognize it's a skill it to recognize when you're behind and what your out is and if you don't see if you don't in the first place include a piece that gives you an out and in yes. the second place recognize that it's the only way to win the game and then go for it then you don't you don't ever win those games but if there's like yeah. a 15 percent chance to land a grenade on someone's head you know when he yeah. rolled the dice and he rolled the one to like hit me, it was like that scene from Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels when the guy loses all his money, he's like stumbling out of the pub and everything's just shaking. I'm just like, what? What's just happened? What's happened? I've won this game. How? How has this happened? And I roll my dice. How did he turn, around? How did he turn it around on you? Well, my stupid Dakini dodge. I'm like, I just need a seven or less, and like he just rolls like a thirteen. And then roll my armor save. It rolls like a seven. I'm like, great. And scat. That's it. That's game. He's won. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Um, uh, yeah, so that was the breakdown. We can um, post a link to that in the chat as well for those who are interested in stats. Uh, what else have we got to talk about? Yeah, no, I think that was all from um, from faction um, faction breakdown. Unless you guys had any other tidbits you wanted to do, you want to mention? Uh, I think the what was it? It was the Marut was the single most common model just about across, oh, or the most certainly yes. most popular tag. Oh, um, right. Which, Interesting. That's going to be a function of the fact that there were four OSS and four vanilla ALF players. Yeah, I was right. going to say, it's still yeah. kind of interesting, I suppose. A, yeah, a few people were like, I had to kill, I think someone said it was like, I had to kill four Maruts this event. Yeah. <laughs> I killed two. Yeah, yeah kill right. Two. Um, I mean, I think it's, it's also partly because it's a new model. I think the new model coming out, I think it's probably what made front of mind for some people i suspect yeah also it's super powerful yeah i do i yeah, do yeah, wonder I what the the i mean the uptick in steel phalanx i can totally understand they are a new army and they have they're freaking really good 
um oss i guess are always popular they're like they're you'll always find yeah, they're really good you know at least for them you know like that in an event um i maybe it's just because like in contrast um combined army were you know a lot less maybe that's what makes it look like there's more um well, i don't know 20 percent of the field isn't it uh, ilf yeah like a quarter almost yeah basically uh yep yeah. yep just about yep. Yeah, just about. Yeah. yeah. Um, All right. Okay. Well, I'll get ditch this, and we've got a little bit to talk about now with just general thoughts. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Considerations around list design yeah. and faction design. All right. So this is where we get to pick your brain, Rob Ert, on uh, your choices going into the event. Um, so we have the first thing. First things. First things first. We have discussed this on a previous episode, but we'll just sort of recap it. But what were your thoughts on the scenario pack? I think in retrospect, it's probably one of the best scenario packs CanCon's ever had. Um, really, really nice balance of requirements, um, how to build for it. Uh, you could feasibly build with most factions one list like that could play all of the scenarios, which gave you some flexibility in terms of how you build your second. Or you could specialize along like the paramedic hacker divide. Um, I really liked that it actually wasn't just all hacking because in ITS in 2023 ITS and 2022 and 2021 um it's it's just been ridiculously easy to just play all hackers and know that you've got your bases covered um so having a little bit of like no you you need you need yeah. doctors as well um mm. was super nice that, that the mix was, of ground control that was one of the things i really liked about the cancon pact is it didn't feel i didn't look at it instantly go i can just play oss and i'll dominate all of these at the very least Mm. because i can have plenty of hackers yeah yeah um so no super liked it and uh cryogenics as the last scenario was like i know that we, we talked about this in a previous episode where the um the decision of the team was it's the flagpole event for the season so we want to have it as the finals and i I think that was fine. I think it worked out okay. It's still a like very complex scenario. Um, like not to give this away, but I think I think my final game was a real showcase in how I think people still haven't fully figured out how to um like the scenario is very solution resistant. There's a bunch of different opportunities, like there's a bunch of different ways you can play cryogenics, and I still don't think people are hundred percent on how to do it. So which is mm. good because it allows you to like really in the fifth round, you you should know your list at that point. You can really like really flex your understanding of them or not, as the case may be. Yeah, I think it's interesting what you mentioned there about uh, you know sometimes ITS just is kind of like incentivizes hackers, and um, mm-hmm. the the two missions that don't incentivize hackers in that scenario pack supplies and cryogenics. Not only do they not incentivize it, like sometimes you can like you can just like have hackers incidentally and they'll do the mission for you. But I find supplies and cryogenics are very it's very important you have a doctor or paramedic because getting those. Like being it able to sucks mm-hmm. to fail pressing those buttons. Yes. Oh and yeah. It's huge, um, huge tax if you can't get that off in one go. Like supplies, especially. You know, if you can't extract the mm-hmm. supply box in turn one, and you're just stuck in no man's land with your dick in your hand, then yeah, you, you're, you're gonna you're have a bad time. It. Yeah, and in yep. cryogenics um, as well, you kind of want to dictate the opening of the boxes, and um, and if you can't, then yeah, you're gonna have a bad time too. And so, in cryogenics, you're too you want, often if you want to play. Do, uh, Go ahead. Al? No, no, Robbie, you finish. I'll go. 
So it's very similar in cryogenics where, it, particularly on the first turn, there's often this play where you're trying to press multiple buttons and it, that has to be order efficient because you want to move past yeah, one on the way to the other and then past that one on the way to kill your opponent. And if you can't do that really leanly, if you have to like rubber band yourself back and then that happens again, the whole turn goes to hell basically. Um, so yeah, the paramedic bonus is really important. Yeah, and I just or, don't, it's I like, have to say Sorry, go ahead. Rob? Yeah, I don't have to say anything. I don't have to say anything because Rob basically said what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think I don't find that tax to be as harsh on other missions. Like, acquis- uh, sorry, was it acquisition was the other mission you guys played? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, acquisition, uh, acquisition, and supremacy and unmasking all have hacker mm. bonuses. Um, yeah. But the they supremacy can be a little bit like that. Um, where it, but it's not like in acquisition, for example, you've got multiple turns to complete your objectives. In supremacy, yeah. you've got multiple turns to press those buttons. Um, in unmasking, you do have to succeed. It's important. Like the hacker bonus in unmasking is important. But mm-hmm. you, because of like how unmasking plays, because of the exclusion zones and et cetera, it's yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, like supplies it's like is, yeah, su- supplies tends to have the biggest like. It sucks to make like two or three consecutive failures in supplies to pick up a box. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, okay, uh, next question was, what were the two lists you took? Well, we have them up here somewhere. Let me just go bring my screen Beautiful. back up. Uh, um, so you took Tool Heart at the event, as we discussed already. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, no. Oh, no, I've lost them. Where did they go? Idiot. In I can the... do breakdown if you like. Uh, uh, no, that's all right. I have them. I just um, closed them down. I've got to reopen them again because I'm an idiot. All right. Yeah, so you took uh, Tool Hard to the, to the event. Um, do you want to just run us through your, your, the, your lists? Um, so the list that I played for all five rounds is a real meat and potatoes Toha list. Um, and it was built with all of the scenarios in mind. Um, but also like some of what I expected to see from tables and stuff like that. So um, it was basically a bunch of big guns, a bunch of symbiomates, and a bunch of ferroware. Um, so group one was a Sukwail heavy machine gun, a Taquil chain of command combi rifle, and a McCall. Uh, then a Sukwail K1 sniper, a Keltar chain of command with two symbiomates. That's the really expensive profile, but it's the one that gives you two symbiomates. And then a second Keltar with one mate, one bomb. So that gives me three symbiomates, one symbiobomb. And then a little fire team of Asakiel, Viral Combi, EM Grenades, a Kamel, Paramedic, and a McCall. And I could mix those around, but that was the most common setup. And then the 10th the slot in Group 1 is just a motorized bounty hunter with submachine gun. And then Group 2 is an unlinked tack wheel officer with pl- lieutenant with plus one order, a diplomatic delegate, a Chaxa baggage bot, a, Chaxa, yep, a Nicole, sniper, sapper, mm-hmm. and a Libertos. Mm-hmm. So okay. do you want to just... And in um, those just... lists... Sorry, Sorry, do you want to just say in, 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 in... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say in those lists, which ones do you tend to um, put the symbiomates, symbio bombs on? The bombs oh. with the big guns. So if it's got an SWC weapon, it gets a symbiomate. Um, the symbio bombs mm-hmm. go on either the Sakil viral combi or sometimes the nickel. And the nickel gets it if I'm expecting like MSV smoke shooting that will just wipe the nickel out. The symbio mm-hmm. bomb lets it mirror ball in ARO. Um, impose a minus three to its opponent and dirty bastard. Yeah. So wait, also, sorry, also sorry, what, what, what were you putting the what were you putting the bomb on again? 
the bombs go on either. The, so the Sakiel viral combi got it most of the time. But if I was going to fight like Atlanta, sometimes I would put it on or like the Maru. I actually didn't do this in the event because I forgot to. But in practice, um, the Nicol actually can use a Symbia bomb. Because when you deploy a Symbia bomb in a face-to-face -face role, it imposes a minus three on your opponent. And so like if oh. a Maru is smoke shooting you... Right. Um, the nickel's nickel's dead, basically. But if you pop the symbio bomb as your ARO, not only is it a face-to-face -face roll that can put down an eclipse zone, but the nickel's rolling on thirteens to make the mirror ball, and it's giving a minus three to like the maru. So it goes from it goes from four dice twelves versus one dice on whatever to so four dice fifteens to four dice twelves versus one dice thirteen. So you can actually survive. Oh, uh, wow. that's brilliant. That's not bad. Um, I'll tell you what's wild about this list as I don't see any Q10 imposters. Yep, I don't like Janstar. He's um he's massively feast or famine. So, bit of a point actually. One of the goals, Nick Janstar is in my second list, but I never played it. Um, one of the goals for this list in particular is to be as resistant to bad luck, table screw, dice screw, losing the lieutenant roll, like whatever, as possible. And Janstar, if you're not going first, Janstar gets basically best case scenario, he gets stuck somewhere and doesn't contribute to the battle. Worst mm -hmm. case scenario is he's 31 points of meat that your opponent consumes immediately because mm -hmm. um, he's just yeah. trivial to kill in uh, in active turn because he's in the shitty impersonation state. On top of that, mm. if your opponent knows how to defend against Janstar, even if you go whole hog, you go the reserve, you go the symbiomate, you go the symbiobomb, mm -hmm. you go everything in on that, Janstar's still got like certain targets that he much prefers to fight. Like He's mm -hmm. excellent at going into... Like armor zero light infantry, armor zero BTS zero, armor one BTS zero light infantry links, where he can drop mm -hmm. his mines, load his shotgun, um, threaten the Ferroware ARO fork. Like he demolishes those links. But if you're playing against a vanilla player or you're playing against like a Morat player with like a big heavy infantry link, there's tons of things in the game that just kind of don't give a fuck about him. Like if a tag mm -hmm. deploys watching him, it's like, all right, cool, you've got some viral pistols, yeah. let's fight. Um, and if you're mm -hmm. any good at melee, um, yeah, he's not good enough to outfight a melee expert. He can he yeah. can like threaten he can threaten non melee experts. Um, but so he's he's such a feast or famine piece. Like when he goes off, he wins you the game. But yeah, my goal was to win five rounds at CanCon. And if you're using a piece that is feast or famine, you're gonna have mm. some feasts and you're gonna have some famines. Mm. And the famines can knock you out of podium. So he 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 didn't make the cut. So uh, yeah. I guess so I guess but, the question then is, um, in lieu of him, what what did you get in in return? So the fact that I'm not spending one SWC and thirty points on him, basically, two you can fit like him and two tack wheels, for example. So you can fit him in the full ferroware loadout. What I what I effectively got was I got the third symbiomate mm -hmm. and the third big gun. Um, mm. So whether whatever that big gun is, whether it's the Nicol or the um, Sukwell Sniper or the Sukwell HMG, the like a Toha list that includes Jan Star can usually only take two SWC weapons, um, and it certainly can only give two mates. And sometimes it can only give one mate to those SWC weapons. And if you've only got one or two mates for your like snipers or your missile launchers or your HMGs, you can't really use them as ARO pieces as reliably. So your defense suffers. Um, yeah. So basically, what I got was I got way more robust AROs and just more robust army generally. Yeah, and, 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 and let's well, face it, and let's face it, you're running an army that's actually five SWC because because the, the Liberto's coming along. 
do not did not disdain my beloved Libertos. <laughs> it is an essential defensive element. <laughs> no, I mean, exactly. I mean, exactly. I know. Yeah. 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 What was the decision uh, with the motorized bounty hunter? Um, so it's what well, one. It's it's cheap. It's cheap and it's efficient. But um, in testing, what I found was um, so. If I was going first in some scenarios, you like in this kind of a Toha list, you have to make the call between either because your first combat group is going to do something, it's either going to try and play the scenario, but it always wants to do some damage. And so you have to make the call between pushing a triad across the table, which means exposing three models to risk, like do you doing enough damage that they don't get killed on the counter stroke is hard. Um, or doing enough damage that if they get killed on the counter stroke, it's worthwhile is hard. Mm. So having just one disposable fast hit the deployment zone you know cross the lines do some damage make a mess don't cost me anything pieces was really useful um and in yes. practice like i played a lot of games against nomads for example in practice and having a piece that like you could you could put down the you could, you could ferret your way through the the morans you could kind mm -hmm. of like clear out the midfield and then spend your last four orders on that biker just running up and killing jazz or something yeah mm. nice and right, yeah, yeah, and I guess it is, it is a it is like I guess we'll get into like the weaknesses of Toha, but because you know you have you know everything's in a triad, you don't have you don't often have those single solo pieces that can go and you know like you say just kind of snatch a couple of kills. Um, yeah, nothing nothing that. extends into the enemy's lines trivially. It's always a decision that like okay, this has got to justify itself. Mm. Mm. And yeah. I, and I'm assuming the tack wheel in the second. Because you've got the chain of command, the tactical in the second group is sort of another sort of uh, renegade piece to push in and use his pharaoh where because uh, he's it's, got himself holy five shit orders. it's so it's so versatile um yeah so at bare minimum that tack wheel is a smoke support piece um yeah i had a so many games in testing and then over the weekend actually where the like first two orders of a turn with the tack wheel move moving and then conjuring smoke somewhere that it otherwise would have been impossible to place. Yeah, the Mirabal, and then the, just the fact that he's got freaking endgame. Um, yep. You've got two two of those things that can just mm -hmm. sit there and be like, don't come near me, unless you've got structure. Because yeah. just to clarify, or still, because yeah. just to clarify, endgame is the one that does wounds. Yes, and Mirabal yeah. is the one that creates a Eclipse Smoke template. Yeah, and then so you've strong. got, and then your access to a razor here is the Diplomatic Delegate. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And being able to smoke through walls is massive. Yeah. <laughs> having group two be, having group two like basically lay out the attack run for you. So spending orders from group two mm. to lay out the attack run for group one is so efficient. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. I, I love I love that group two generally. So it's got it's got so many options. The delegate can run around and press buttons, and if she dies, she dies. She's only five points. Mm -hmm. The nickel can shoot from time to time. It's still like a good sniper. The tack wheel does huge amounts of support. It can attack with endgame. It does everything for like it's expensive, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And then if you need to make a skirmisher attack, the Libertos starts on the twenty inch line, oh, and yeah. and five orders on a model that's not losing orders to a command token is like just enough usually to get the Libertos somewhere that it shotguns a couple of things. So that um that group two performed super well. Laid it did it did laid all of the groundwork for the group one to actually be the like main combat group. Yeah. Right. Um, do you mind if we just? I know, you know you didn't use it, but just for just for um, completeness, if we were just run through yep. uh, list number two. List number two. Yep. Uh, yep. Okay. Here we go. So, 
very similar. Um, Sukwell HMG, Kaelta chain of command with combi rifle and two symbiomates. McCall, Sukwell forward observer with K1 combi rifle. Kaelta specialist with one symbiomate, one symbiobomb. McCall, always DACWs on the McCalls, by the way. Um, Sakiel viral combi, Kamal paramedic McCall, Janstar, and then Taquil, Nicole, Delegate, Liberto, Motorized Bounty Hunter. So this Sorry, list has shifted all the irregulars to group two, mm. and it's cut the sniper rifle off the Sukwail for a K1 combi specialist and cut the Taquil officer to a Ford Janstar. Okay, and then what was the thinking then behind this list? Was it just, just to um, include Janstar, or was there something else? Yeah, so this list was trying to do a couple of things. Um, one, if I ever ran into a corridor table, this list would cover me. Um, it's shorter range, it's got more rifle range bands, it's got like a K1 combi rather than a K1 sniper. Um, so on a like tight table, uh, like there was one table at, among the 26 at CanCon that was like a Mars base that had like a lot of interiors, for example. Um, I would probably have dropped this on that table. Uh, and then secondarily, um, I was comfortable with my first list playing most matchups. So having a second list, I could drop into like very specific matchups where Janstar I could rely on to like maybe be more of a feast piece. Mm -hmm. So the big one actually was like Shokami of a Contesimento, where yeah. their lieutenant's willpower is lower than mine, and they've got an armor zero, BTS zero link that is kind of like their linchpin. Um, having Janstar to be like, if I win this lieutenant role, I am going to mess up your your Contesimento regulars. Um, so so uh, when you look at an army that's probably not going to be any good at CC and potentially not going to have great whip to discover you so you can get you can actually risk and get Janstar right up in their face it, the, it, in particular it's the like concentrated elements that are vulnerable to him so he's mm. really good at, at picking apart those like light infantry links yeah because um, you, you can do things yeah go like, ahead um move move up with like the shotgun or lay a mine and then don't use stealth come around the corner and see what the Lynx ARO is. And you've got a symbiomate. So if they like shoot you, you'll probably be fine and you can erase the Link Leader um, to break the Link up using the symbiobomb, stuff like that. That's where he really pops off. It's a narrow target profile. But as yeah. it happened, Tom Bowl and Lockie Carter were both playing a Shokami for Contestamento. I was going to ask. I was going to ask that yeah. because, you know, you must have had that heads up, did you? Or like, <laughs> I, I actually didn't know that Tom was playing a Contestamento. I wasn't sure what he was playing. I knew Lockie was playing either um, Svalheimer or a Conti. And in either case, like it's broadly the same yeah. kind of situation. Pano, um, Pano tutorials. Yeah. Yeah. And you knew I was playing ISS, so that was a factor as well, right? Did I? I didn't. I did. What were you playing against? <laughs> you well, actually, I I'm, did actually know. No respect. I, I get no respect. No, so for real, it was a huge comfort to me. Easily the worst piece to face as a Toha player is a Sujan. And so when you were like, Rob, I'm playing ISS, I'm like, oh, fuck. With no Sujans. Oh, yes. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> you idiot. Yeah. You idiot. And actually, uh, just uh, talking about lists, you know, before CanCon, like Val released his list to anyone who wanted to listen to the, to the episode. <laughs> yeah. We also had Jordan, who ended up coming fifth with his Vanilla Aleph, also released his list. We had a few other players that... Um, that were coming to CanCon. I don't know where they scored because some of them didn't have um, their names, but um, yeah. Luke Henry did really well because of our advice. 
Um, Luke Henry um, actually changed his list quite a lot after our episode. Uh, he reached out to me, uh, to us or to me, I think. Um, he made uh, he said he made some changes to his um, uh, Shazvasti list because he was really struggling with it, and he made it more like Shazvasti specific. And yeah, so if he beat you like last round, the the podcast was going to take all the credit. Um, for that. <laughs> um, like, I was straight. I was like, I was rubbing my hands. I'm like, I'm like, we're taking credit oh, here. Boys. We've done it. We've done it, boys. That's good to hear. I'm glad. I'm glad that we helped. I, I mean, I know for a fact that we helped out Dean, um, who's that's a newer player with his Corregidors. Yeah. So, yeah, he made a legal list. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, um, <laughs> legal list. Um, all right, so we'll um, we'll get off of the the lists, but I guess we want to ask. Uh, uh, last time we spoke, Rob, you weren't sure which list or sorry, which army you were going to take. I think you were tossing up between Hack and O twelve and Toha. Uh, why did you land on Toha? So there, there were a few contenders. Um, the main ones. So it was it was something like Ariadna. O2, Ariadna, um, Yuqing, O12, Hack, and Toha. Mm-hmm. Um, I so Ariadna got down selected because my my proxies would have been a bit too weird. Um, O12 got down selected because the roadbot was not going to be an army in time, uh, and um, Yuqing got down selected because they were not a good fit for the missions. Um, not, I don't like Yuqing's hackers or paramedics. Uh, there are a lot of pieces in Yuqing that I do like, but how Yuqing wants to play its games a lot is to you know, kill your opponent and then press buttons when everything is dead. And the the mission lineup just didn't line up with that, basically. So that left effectively Hackislam and Toha. I played both a little bit. And intellectually, ultimately, I went with Toha because they can handle, in particular, they can handle tables and matchups that Hackislam can't. Um, and so, like, if you run into a really open table against an MSV Overwatch piece and your Fide whiffs, you lose the game as hack, or you really can. It's very easy to build a hack Islam list that is just like my Fide didn't infiltrate and then Atlanta killed my whole army. Um, but that would be the intellectual reason. The actual reason is that I had one game as Toha in like early December, and uh, in the first round, uh, I lost some symbiomates, and so I went into round two with 15 orders, and then I went into round three with 15 orders, and I'm like, this is fucking awesome. I'm playing Toha for this event. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that seems yeah. like the 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 correct answer for Toha, right? <laughs> like, yeah. why are you playing Toha? Because they're Toha. You're like, yeah, yeah it makes that checks out. Yeah, there, there well, are some it... compromises. There are some compromises in the faction, um, but at the end of the day, the fact that they just like you can you can tank your way through. Like your opponent can crit you in ARO or in active, um, and there's just there's just this performance flaw to the faction where. You're gonna do like a minimum of okay, even if the dice try and absolutely root you. So yeah, I mean, in a game as lethal as Infinity, ha- having the uh, symbiomate mechanic is just such yeah. like a an X factor that so many factions don't get. That yeah, I guess um, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's powerful. Just as a as a like it's... small point of observation. Oh, sorry, Jacob, go. I was going to say, it's also, uh, did you, uh, we'll find out during your games, but it's also one of the factions where it's like biggest weakness is a weird, a weird thing that not a lot of people necessarily take advantage of, which is like a bunch of structure and robots. I actually think, hack, so Toha's biggest weakness actually is just a proactive hacking game. Um what the, just getting the targeting targeted just on. so the the thing i hate so because everything is in links right the worst mm. thing in the world is toha 
um, generally speaking, is oh sorry, apart from failing multiple armor rolls through your symbiomates, which Ed Sykes can do like a champion, but I'm <laughs> mostly okay with. Um, <laughs> yeah. No one will lose a drawl all the way to dead faster than Ed. Um, bless him. But, um, the worst thing as Toha is when your opponent just fires a bunch of pitches to the edge of your deployment zone. They don't even have to fire missiles at you, and they usually won't because missiling Toha is hard because like you're trying to kill these pieces with symbiomates on them, and it you know, they'll just reset and be like, okay, cool, it's a pain in the ass. But once they lay those pitches down, you try and activate these fire teams, which like mostly don't have stealth, so you're getting all of these spotlights against you in ARO, and it's a huge pain. Like, it's a massive pain to clear True. off pitches in your deployment zone. Um, that's part of the purpose of the motorized bounty hunter, just so something can and be like, cool, it got targeted, that's fine. Um, yeah, mm. like pro, like really aggressive yeah, repeater okay. networks as Toha suck to deal with. Because yeah. that was going to be our, our, our follow up question was, you know, you said there were some limitations. Do you want to just quickly go like, yeah, no, no hacking game worth an absolute damn. Mm. Okay. Um, Ferroware is awesome. You, okay. me you mentioned just before um... low, low, lower armor and not the best BA BS as well. Yeah, yeah. Roll, I was going to yeah. say. Rolling for 13s, like, all the time. Sometimes we'll let you down. Mm. And what's... Uh, you, you mentioned, uh, was it McCool's, um, always the DA weapon? Yes. Take me through that. So, core, like, I mentioned one of the things I wanted to do is not get screwed by bad luck, not get screwed by matchups, etc. Um, yeah, BTS okay, gotcha. tends to be wildly variable. variable. Um, yeah. There are plenty of models in the game that are, like, Armor 1, BTS 9. Oh, that's not... But, you know, like, Armor yes. 4, BTS mm. 9... Yeah. Um, the so, fact that the uh, fact that it goes up in multiples of three means that yeah. it's yeah. either zero or it's three, and then you're like already like, well, that, mm. I'm I I should have just taken DA at that point. Yeah, or it's that's set so weird. By like, like, can we just mention how weird that is? That's so weird. I don't see why they they go by threes with BTS. Like, I don't it's see why an interesting it's convention. Yeah. yeah, sure, it's true. Um, mm. um, so um, just just that, just that you're going to be consistent against armor. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I was gonna say, Rob, what about the ballistic skill of Toha? Like the one, the 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 moment the penny dropped for me is when we were playing on TTS ages ago. I was using military orders. I was just standing things up, and I realized, like, hold on, like the best BS you've got is BS thirteen. I'm yep. like, wait, that's a weakness in Toha. Like they're just not great shooters. Yeah, yeah, they like burst is burst is good, but one of the like one of the mantras I drummed into myself. Um, during those like basically two months of practice, two and a bit months of practice, was uh, like I would remind myself, think like a Toha player. And what that that what that is shorthand for is, as Toha, you have unparalleled control over lines of visibility. Um, yes. No one in the game has better access to Eclipse than you do, which means that you can, if you spend the orders, move anywhere. And because you do, you can do that. You should always like a turn as a Toha player should start with. Looking at the table and just thinking, if I could teleport, where is the worst place for my opponent for me to put a gun? Um, and then figure out if you can get there and yeah. then do that, basically. Which yeah. most other factions don't have that luxury because, as every other faction, you're like, within some Phalanx can't. Phalanx are the exception. Phalanx have got Alex as much like. Yeah. Alex and Tungask are probably the uh, the two um, best. And, and there, you know, there are actually a few factions that can combine like smoke and smoke and white noise or eclipse, whatever. Um, but no one does it quite as well as Toha, where it's the like, if I need to get a piece into a place, I can do yeah. so. Um, but, yeah, that, that's what that's why your Secules are like your mainstays in your lists because they have that mimetism, which means generally they're gonna have a better chance at winning that fire fire fight. 
It's the fallback. So like the, the best case is that you like put a gun in a position where you've got enfilade fire into your opponent and they don't have cover and like etc. Like you take more face-to-face -face rolls against an opponent out of cover with Toha than any other faction, because you can move to those locations, which otherwise is very rare. Mm. But as a fallback, yeah, look, Sukaios have got ballistic skill 13, mimetism for a little while, and they can take a hit. That's fine. That's fine as a gunfighter. It's totally okay. Mm. But it's just totally okay. Oh, you're not okay. fighting a fullback or a Kamau. You're, you're avoiding them, right? Yeah. A fullback um, Pahu or a, uh, or a Kamau, you're not fighting them. You're avoiding them. Yeah. I, the worst face-to-face -face role I took over the course of the weekend was I was willing to try and fight Phoenix exactly once. Um, <laughs> and, and that was that. Did you, did you find the... Um, and it's, it's only been really relevant for this season. Did you find the abundance of um, terrain total help, helpful? Yes, so that was a that was a a plus over the course of this is that um, Sukwales in particular are terrain total, um, and the plus one movement or the super jump was often in three or four of the CanCon scenarios. Mm. Super nice bonus. Um, mm. I got like one kill in mission three because a sorry because a Sukwail could like super jump to get a line of fire um, that otherwise it wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. Just last um, one before we move on to the next. Oh, sorry, Kev. No, no, yeah, no. I was, I was just moving things on. But if you want to do that, then that'd be great. I just had one last question. Um, one thing I noticed about your list, uh, Rob, as well, is there's two weaknesses. So one, you you have absolutely nothing hidden from your opponent in your mm -hmm. lists, and you have nothing standing outside your deployment zone, right? And except for the Liberto. Liberto, sorry. And um, and everything's moving four four outside the seasonal change of yes. total terrain. Right and the and the bounty hunter right so I don't know um from like that point of view like it's like that, that's a real weakness in the list did that come up at all do you think or did it in your practice game I think it's part there? of the reason why supplies was one of the one was one of the toughest scenarios for me um yeah. because there aren't any pieces that can just begin in contact with the button yeah. um, but admittedly that's the cost of playing Toha they've only got two camo things both aren't great. Yeah, plus the you know, Clipsos, Sagal. Well, they've got a few now. They've got Clipsos, the Sagal, Beast Hunter, good. and Libertos. The Clipsos is really good. And, uh, I, I, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm in the mind of just Clipsos like... Clipsos is with 13. Um, it's one of those pieces that you're like, Clipsos reveals, fail, 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 yeah, fail. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, the, in, and, and in supplies, as we mentioned, you want to have something that can yeah, get in one order, that. not four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the... Uh, one of the things to so like yes you're absolutely right there's there's very little forward deployment in this list um that is almost an inevitable cost of the fact that i've got three big guns all of which can to an extent perform an arrow duty um it's very rare to have a viable arrow piece that starts outside the dz like you know in vanilla you can you can swing both ways because you've got all of these individual elements but the fact that i had three Decent range weapons because that HMG can pull ARO duty if it has a symbiomate. It doesn't want to be looking at opponent's deployment zone, but it can cover some lanes. Um, the the defensive cover that the list offered I had to sacrifice something, and yeah, midfield presence was something I was willing to sacrifice because it gave me ARO instead. You had the attrition ability to roll over your opponent over three turns with like the redundancy and things. Yeah, the, the list. there's this phenomenon that occurs with Toha where it's like um, often your opponent's first turn is killing all of your symbiomates. And yeah, that puts like when a model when a model takes a hit and it takes a symbiomate and you're like, nope, that gun can kill me now. I'm going to go prone. It's still taken them like three orders to kill every one of those mates. Usually yeah. moving around, seeing something, moving around, seeing something. 
And so you lose all of this material on the first turn, but you don't lose any models. You don't lose any troopers. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so you just, like, so many factions struggle with good, hard AROs that having a faction... And, like, it's, it's, it's what makes stuff like bears so dangerous. Yeah. Um, if a bear can just run across the table into your deployment zone, you're, you're rooted. Um, but if you've got a Nicol, a Sukwail, and another Sukwail watching, like, 20, 30, 40-inch lines, then... It keeps the Ariadna player honest. It keeps the warbands honest. It keeps yeah. all of the stuff that punishes null deployment. And then you fall back to a null position once the symbiote mates are dead. So it's just defensive luxury. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Right. Do we want to go and take a look at your games? Uh, just quickly, before oh, uh, we go. jump into the games, um, Rob, in your videos, you mentioned a couple of key terms, which I just wanted to, for you to maybe expand on. <laughs> so to want to give uh, people who like uh, play the game um, some insight into how you approach the game and maybe maybe add it to their approach and I guess also give a bit of an expansion on understanding uh, of, I guess, your, uh, your the terms themselves. So when they watch the video, it makes a bit more sense. <laughs> so the things I'm referring to is, um, I guess, some terms like critical failure state, table insurance, and things like that that you mentioned that I picked yep. up in the videos. Sure. So um, critical failure state is a, like, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen if I do this thing I'm about to do? So uh, in various lines of work, actually, they will teach you about how to do risk assessment. Mm -hmm. I think Kev's, Kev's wandered the fuck off while I'm on this diatribe. Um, and when you're assessing no, a risk, yeah. this is like professional Rob for a second, um, professional Rob in his work context. When you're assessing a risk, you usually assess the likelihood of the risk occurring and the consequences if it does, if the risk materializes. So in infinity context, people tend to be good at one or both of those things, but not both at the same time. So I'm going to fight this enemy ARO piece. What's the chance of winning? I uh, probably like 60% or 50% or 40%. Cool. If I lose, what's the worst that can happen? And if it's mm -hmm. like a Riot Girl missile launcher, the worst thing that could happen is that your tag will explode to two missile crits. That's your like critical failure state. That's the very bad thing that could arise from taking a certain engagement, making taking a certain risk. Mm -hmm. And Toha have high resistance to that because of symbiomates. Um, if you if you fight a Riot Girl missile launcher with a Sukwail, you probably shouldn't. But if you do, and she crits you twice. You're going to be taking four saves, but they're going to be four saves. You're only going to be taking four. You're not going to be taking yes. 12, no. or, yeah. uh, eight, nine, fourth, whatever it would be. Um, crits twice, eight saves. Uh, you were the first um, Whatever it was. Like lots. Two, two missile crits. I can't do the math. Um, uh, <laughs> you're not going to be, like the explosive rounds aren't going to, aren't going to screw you. Um, mm -hmm. you, can, you can get unlucky once yes. and still be like kind of okay. Uh, and like mm -hmm. in my very first game, uh, a grunt sniper crit a sukwail. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And I was fine. I was okay. Because the symbiomate took the hit, and I just took the fight again, and it crit me again, but that's okay. I crit it back. <laughs> yes. And then the third time, I put the damn thing down. Um, um, so that's so, so as an example for one of our Patreon listeners, so I guess a critical failure state would be, I don't know, for example, engaging uh, your Marut against, I don't know, a proxy heavy rocket launcher. And then failing yeah. three subsequent rolls on round yep. one against Jordan. So, like, just as an example, right? Just completely. That's as an example. Yeah. That's an example. Thanks, Josh, uh, for and listening. You need to. You need to not like. You need to accurately assess like how bad is it going to be. But yes. people sometimes do the thing where like you'll you'll occasionally hear people say, "Oh, I took this face to face roll that I had a sixty percent chance to sixty percent chance to win, and I didn't win it." 
And then I felt all my mistakes and I died and that sucked. I got so unlucky. And it's like, yes, you did get unlucky, but you have to think about the consequence, right? What was the worst thing that could have happened? And the worst thing that could have happened is that you lose yourself the game because you lost your tag. You lost your piece. You did this. Um, Did you need to take that fight in order to actually accomplish your objectives for the turn? Um, That's something, yeah, that's something that uh, um, comes with playing the game after a little while. It's like, Mm. in turn one, this is self-rule. So to break down what, I guess, what you've said uh, in a nutshell, it's like, before you spend the order, think about what this game state would look like if this doesn't go your way, regardless of the chance of the odds in your favor, right? And if you think that you can live with that state, go ahead and do it, I guess, or I guess make it. Or if it's worth the risk. Yeah, if it's worth a risk, yeah. right? Yeah. There, so there, there, there will become a point where you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but in turn one, for me, in turn one, what I've learned is I don't take those fights. So I have my, so in my ISS list, for example, I have my Dakini HMG with the support wear. So it's five dice on uh, BS11 with marksmanship. But I, even if they have an aero piece like a TR bot or something like that, if I don't need to fight it, I don't fight it because, uh, because of that same thought process where like hey if i get unlucky here i don't have my hate i don't have my bikini hmg for round for turn two and three because ss just don't get medics or doc or engineers or whatever yep so um but yeah um but yeah no, i think that's i think that's a really really important um uh, and a really useful uh approach and i think yeah i think that's great and thanks for sharing that so, um, table table insurance was the other term you asked about um yes. so this is yeah this is kind of like convention specific thinking uh Everyone's probably done this at some point where it's like, hey, everyone, here's the tables for CanCon, LVO, Burn City Brawl, whatever. And you've looked at them and it's like, that's lovely, that's lovely, that's lovely, that's horrifying. Um, where you think there's the one table, right? There's the one table where there's no terrain in the back eight inches of the deployment zone um, because someone who's new to the game has set the table up or like, you know, there are some horrific fire lanes that the TO or the table person setting it up missed. Um, and or this just is actually something horrible I think people. will happen. This is something that will happen less in um, uh, ITS, uh, sorry, in uh, online events, actually, because Uh, one of the great advantages of, like, the um, Infinity Global League is that the TOs have time before the event to really curate, like, five, five good tables. Um, But for CanCon, we've got to do 26, and we've got to do 26 set up in an afternoon, players setting up their own tables, Everyone has a slightly different opinion of what um, makes a good table, and some players have access to less. Like we, we have players who are like, "I've been working on this table, and I want to bring it along, mm. but I've only bought so much terrain, and mm. it's fine for local play, but it doesn't quite cover the table." You have those, right? Those are things that happen at events, and mm. so the tos, like good tos, will do their level best to try and make sure that every every table is okay. And at CanCon, for example. We literally it took me it took me doing a little bit of yelling on the setup day, but I literally took an entire t- I disassembled a table comprised of like CB cardboard terrain and I put it all in a box. I played on and that. that was my reserve that was my reserve box. And that box got distributed over about three other tables to bulk them up to points where they were more playable. Mm. Um, and in one case I I basically added like hundred percent of the existing terrain onto the table wow pulled up the playability but even in those cases you can't guarantee that every table is good and you can't guarantee that there won't be like sniper lines that people have missed and so having having pieces and in particular when i'm talking about table insurance as toa i'm talking about the nickel 
Um, the Nicol is a multi-wound MSV Sapper viral sniper who can be given a symbiomate. And Sapper means that it can deploy literally anywhere in my deployment zone, which means that if I'm playing on a table where and there is get cover, yeah, so no terrain, yeah, no terrain in the back eight inches of the deployment zone, mm-hmm. the Nicol can still go somewhere and free up space for other pieces. So um, Hack Islam can't do that. And in fact, Hack Islam are very vulnerable to really shitty deployment zones because I want to deploy like two bikes and some remotes and those mm. are on big bases. Um, so, you know, you can just lose your, your Coom riders because the table is, you know, the deployment zone is accidentally Swiss cheese. Um, but Toha, you've got that level of like, the Nikul is going to go somewhere. And I think this is also part of why a Contesimento was really good was mm. I think we had a few tables at CanCon where it's like, would really like a bit more terrain in the deployment zones, but sapper snipers can find a place, and Cemento <laughs> gets two of them usually. Good observation. Yes. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So, so obviously those two factors played quite a role in helping you choose Toha as well, because obviously, mm. like you said, uh, you're playing five of uh, five rounds. There's going to be uh, luck's going to go up and down. Having that security of against the uh, critical failure state through the symbiomates, yep. very important, and having the cool uh, security against five different tables that you play on, very important. Um, yeah, that, that's that's really great. Was there any other terms that you used in your videos, or you you like to use? Um, I guess in in just general, that might be useful to uh, for people. I can't here. think of them offhand, but if I mention them over the course of the rest of this discussion, ask me to say what I mean. For sure, for sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, thanks for that. That that's awesome. Um, I guess yeah. Uh, the next question is basically, uh, I guess, build on that. I guess is how important is redundancy and insurance against failure in the uh, in the list or a faction? Of a five five round event, so I guess um, yeah. So basically, it sounds like you you've taken it pretty seriously as uh, something uh, as a consideration in, in yeah, your look, list. It's a, it's a way to play and to build. I don't think it's mandatory, um, but I'm trying to figure out a way to put this that is not like sounds hugely arrogant because I want to say it depends on how good at the game you are, but that's kind of bullshit. Um, I, I was going to say, Rob, just quick just before you yep. get to your point. Um, I guess Toha have their own inbuilt redundancy, which kind of is a bit of an advantage that they have. You know, symbiomates, multiple wounds. Uh, you know, where you can survive like a bad roll and just keep going. Whereas a lot of other armies, you know, are don't necessarily have that. Like Hakazam, hey, we're one armor, one one wound. Um, I'm dead. Yeah. Uh, the Dakini, hey, I'm burst five on fourteens, but I rolled shit and now I'm dead. Is um. Is I guess it's like you know a weakness that Toha don't necessarily have. I actually think you've picked some slightly bad examples there because um, Hack Islam have doggered out the ass, and the Dakini True. is an example. The Dakini is actually a really subtle example of great failure tolerance um, because, because it's, it's got okay, it's two bad. unconscious states and a Whip Fifteen engineer behind it. Well, unless <laughs> unless your name's Val you and you don't and you yes. don't want to take the Sofa text. yeah. Not in ISS. Sofatex is a piece of shit. The Sofatex is a piece of shit. subsection and vanilla, because you've got this incredible Whip 15 engineer for zero points, effectively, fucking yeah. post-humans, um, you can be like, the Dakini failed, but it's going to come back, and I'll try again. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's fair enough, because I was using Val's example. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, I think, honestly, any five-round event, if your plan is to... If you're, if you're if you're trying if like if your your goal is to win or even just do well, um, any event with fifty, seventy, a hundred players, you just you're not going to do that without getting lucky. Um, yes. You you categorically not. You need to be 
to a certain extent, you need to just have some luck at the right times over the course of the event, whether it's in the tables, the drawers, the dice on the table. Um, it is not possible to to just like raw dog skill your way through a a 50, 50 person event. Um, it's the depending it's the three, on how three. Sorry, I was just going to say it's the three pillars of success I like to talk about, which is um, uh, uh, knowledge of the game, skill in the game, and then just luck. And if you don't have yep. one of those three, you're uh, on a stool and you will fall. Like you will fail. You can have as much knowledge uh, you and skill. Yeah, what's that? I thought you were about to spell KSI, um, but never mind. Um, um, so, it, if depending on like depending on the player, um, there are factions that have high roll possibilities, and I actually think an, an, another way to play from time to time, like if if you're of the opinion that you're like, listen, I'm I'm a little new, or even I'm just like I've been playing for this a while, I'm, I'm okay at this game. Um, having the option to high roll, like. Playing playing a faction that is not particularly failure tolerant, but it has maybe it has like a bunch of ways that it can high roll. Um, and you would use it like just as old examples, things like um, playing Ariadna and just like hard input. Your plan being to hard infiltrate a whole bunch of his thirteen infiltrators. Um, you might fail a bunch of those, but you might succeed some, and the payoff is awesome if just like you know two hard cases reach your opponent's side of the table. Um, or you're you know you're running just like Atlanta. Atlanta is probably the biggest high roll piece in the game. She might lose her first face to face roll and die, or she might just hard win you the game. And I know some left players over the course of CanCon had games that they won or lost based off how well Atlanta performed. And if you, would... sorry, I was going to say, would you say JSA is a faction that can just high roll? No, I think they're actually pretty failure tolerant. Um, they have, if particularly the samurai. There's a huge pile of wounds in there, mm. and you can lose a bunch of samurai and still get some of them close enough to kill your opponent. Um, mm. The ninjas are high risk, high reward because you have to roll to impersonate yeah. them. If you're running a list that's got only mm. Waban and Shinobu Kitsune, that's a like, well, I might be worse than my opponent, but I'm going to fucking go for it with these pieces. And if they make it, I could win. Um, and you can also build lists where you're like, my whole army is going to be comprised of pieces that might trade up hugely um a lot of the time they won't and they'll die but when they do they could win me the game so that is that is the like other side of the coin with toha i went for a really particular like i'm going to try and consistency my way through five rounds mm. but you mm. can also be like i'm going to play the law of averages and if i play enough things that can occasionally outperform and i just get lucky at the right places in the right time and they do mm. i can win that way yeah yeah right um, Val, Val That's was really, there, uh, really What was some of the um? You just he was looking for some ideas as to what is a high roll army or one what what he says do well and some that do poorly. So Shazvasti, yeah, no, yes, yes. Um, Shazvasti are a piece, an army, a whole army that just like if they just get a tiny little bit lucky, they crack the game open in a huge way. Um, Speculo killers, right? Like the second that a speculo killer wins a face to face roll and their opponent, like because with speculos you've got a win the face-to-face -face roll, and then your opponent has to fail the damage 12 save, and then you've just killed their tag. Um, mm. And it's yeah. like, you're probably going to do that, but only just. like It's like a 60% chance or a 55% chance, but if it comes up and you just you just killed the avatar or a Marut, you win. You win the game like super hard. But 
But an opponent, like an experienced opponent, would never put, uh, would never not keep uh, against just Varsity, not keep their. Uh, it is incredibly against... hard to stop two speculos from yeah. penetrating the player. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I remember yeah. a game a long time ago in ECM where I put my Marut as defended back and as far back as possible. I, yeah. I, I got lucky that the I, I like you were talking about high rolling. I got lucky. Two is hard to stop. But the, I got yeah, lucky but, that I just happened to roll a um a crit on the cl- uh, close combat. But that but, but that's also, the thing. <laughs> but but, but Shazvasti is full of pieces that do that. Yeah, but that's mm. the thing though with, with Shazvasti is is that the yeah cool the specular will get there, but it's not actually that likely it'll take out take out the thing that it's going into CC with, and if it doesn't, it's dead because there will be another ARO piece that's like a heavy flamethrower or whatever shotgun template that will take it out on its way. And as a Shaz player, that's just that is just the problem with everything in Shaz. Like Caliban, mm. I mean, Caliban have a bit of redundancy where if you can gobble some wounds up first, they've got redundant, they've got some resilience. Um, Shrouded and Malignos and even the Speculo do have regeneration, but a good player is going to remember that and double tap them. Um, unless you're playing Supremacy and you put them on a rooftop, in which case it's a bit different. Different, but it's it's super. Yeah, it's a super swingy army, and I feel for um, Luke taking them to CanCon because they're fun, but they're not forgiving. I, I think they're full of pieces that all have the potential to win you the game. Um, yeah. The specular killers, they like, I, not, no individual piece is like massively likely, but specular killers can each just win you the game. Um, Hager creatures can just randomly trade up and win you the game. Um, Caliban, like if a, if a Caliban gets shot and dies, that sucks. But if a Caliban gets into CC, gets some wounds, goes on a roll, even Sheshkin, to an extent, mm-hmm. with two wounds being like moderately mm-hmm. consistent, Sheshkin still tends to be a little feast or famine, where if she gets stopped before she makes CC, she's just kind of okay. But then sometimes you have those games where she moves into combat with a model with a chain rifle, takes the save, loses a wound, gains three, moves to the next one, and just like um, freaking ping-pongs her way through your opponent's entire army, gaining and losing wounds. Like, Shaz, yeah. Shaz are a faction that can do that, but mm-hmm. something, something has to go right. Like I've... in... Yeah, no, what were you saying? Um, even the Sphinx, right? It's an armor six tag, mm. but it is hypermobile. Um, if the Sphinx gets unlucky, you can you can just lose it to something. Yeah. Um, but that was I think in the, they're in like the, fragile and lethal. In the in the latter major half, Luna. in the latter half of me playing Shaz, I was pretty much exclusively playing the Sphinx because it was pro, it was it felt like the only it was the only piece in the in the army that felt like it had it, it didn't could fail once or twice. That's right. Yeah, between its mim, yep. between its mim minus six, its marker state, its three wounds and armor six, you can still get unlucky with it. But it, it had the it had the capacity to get unlucky and yeah. keep going. Um, whereas very little in the army, I am um, had that, and it was it can be a frustrating army to play when you yeah like 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 you say comparing it to Jan Star when the speculo doesn't quite get where it needs to go or your opponent blocks it in with a liberto or it rolls a one on its cc and then you're like oh and you know then i think shazvastio players have to cultivate a sense of like tranquility that no one else does (laughs) (laughs) because in in victory or in defeat right like Mm -hmm. if you are not chill as a shazvastio player Mm -hmm. you're it's it's like the the faction is an emotional roller coaster yeah Mm. lots of fun though uh was there any other armies that we can think of that are like that fall in that category that you were talking about val I think I have to start playing. I think I'm gonna have to play JSA at some point. Um, I want to use the ninjas. Um, I think they're really fun, and yeah, uh, we'll see mm. if um, I can get them to work. Yeah, that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. No, well, I think I think that's that's everything. 
we we yeah we're, we're we're taking on for time here, and we've still got some uh, some games to go through. So uh, let's, sure. let's get let's, let's jump into those. Uh, Rob, we'll let you take the lead on this. I know you've already talked extensively tonight, and uh, I know your other five your five games. But um, do you want to yeah give us a bit of a summary of your? I'll touch on your... some high points. Yes, um, please. First thing, if anyone wants to see longer form, like twenty to thirty minutes on each of these, YouTube channel is Robert Shepard. Uh, Infinity Battle Reports, you can see much deeper breakdowns there, although I did record all of those videos in one take, in one day, like a day after CanCon, and I, I was cooked. Um, but they, <laughs> they should be an okay watch. Um, so, uh, but quick, quick highlights. Um, game one was against US Ariadna. Uh, newer opponent, I think one of the Jolong guys. Um, just to start with, everyone I played across the entire weekend were awesome. Um, super cool people. Mm. Uh, this was a terrible matchup for him mechanically, and I think not helped by the fact that I don't know if he played against Toha very much. And that is kind of an advantage that Toha have. Like Luke mentioned yeah. this in Game 5, I knew just about his entire army at deployment, and he was mm. like, what's the fucking difference between a Sukail and a Sakiel again? Mm. Um, yeah. Mental load is not equally shared between the two players. But yeah, so US Ariadna, US Ariadna are a faction that really struggle into one, viral, but two, ferroware. They're an army of, like, Armor 3, BTS 0, Whip 12. Like, they're prime targets for Ferroware. And that was kind of what happened in a lot of the game. Um, the first, like, two activations were my Lieutenant Ferrowaring a Grunt Infiltrator to death. Mm -hmm. um, I did lose, like, a bunch of face-to-facials with a Grunt Sniper, but I put the link down eventually. And once I put the Grunt link sni Sniper link down, um, my opponent was in a position where actually advancing through my Overwatch pieces... Mm -hmm was difficult. Uh, in terms of play that I think was really important, I spent a lot of my positioning in the last couple of orders on turn one, stopping the expected um, Van Zant from ruining me. And I left a gap in turn two. But because what he had to do was come on and try and shoot a symbiomated Nicol, that was kind of all he accomplished. Um, and then he died to Ferroware. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a rough mechanical game for my opponent. US Ariadna are a challenging army to play into. I think in general, like they're very cool, but they have some like restrictions and yeah. playing in a Toho is rough for them. Yeah. So that was that was a 10 0 win. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jacob. When, when when we when we covered them, they very, very much want to keep you at arm's length because they don't really excel close up. Yeah, they've got some pieces like Desperados and Hard Cases can trade yeah. like very efficiently. Although Hard Case is in many respects kind of just a worse Libertos, but it is mm -hmm. a Libertos that can yeet to your opponent's deployment zone. And that's yeah. sort of like, that's got a quality of its own. Wow. But yeah. So that was game one. Um, I thought, awesome so, table. So, so uh, Rob, just to interrupt. I thought when I saw the list when you were breaking down in your video, when I saw the list two Grand Snipers and I think it was a five man link, I thought that would be quite a good counter to you. Uh, but he deployed quite them. It seemed like he deployed them quite forward. He, um, no, they were they were well right. far back. But remember, the acquisition oh, they, is a sixteen-inch okay. deployment zone scenario. So my yeah, HMG ah, so was forward. I was yeah, very far okay. forward. Um, uh, and exactly. he deployed in a way where I don't think he realized how far my Sukail could move, and I got up into a high place very quickly, and was putting plunging fire into the link. Um, mm. The. Uh, that table was fantastic, by the way. That was one of the Henry Brothers tables, and it was this, like, dock portyard. Oh, the dock one's fucking amazing. Like, channels. And it made 
Um, it made fantastic use of mm. multiple terrain levels to give you like channels to move through. Yeah. But then like visibility along high ground. It was it was awesome. Yeah. It was just visually it's, it's, visually it's, magnificent. Yeah, it's a I've great looking table. It's it's been a it's been a uh, con not controversial. It's been it's been a tricky table. I think um, I think but I think Pete's been working on the layout for a little while, and I think he's got it nailed now. Mm. I spent some time talking to him about it on the Friday actually, and the the deployment zones especially. Um, were, we got the deployment zones, zones down pretty tight. And I think testament to that is the fact that I, I really wasn't able to punch into the Ariadna deployment zone particularly hard. Mm. Um, it's just that his ability to counterpunch through Ferroware was sort of sharply limited. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Kevin and I drew um, round three um, to lose the tournament. To both of us lose the tournament on that table, so yeah, that was good. Not Hot memories. Not, um, not not me. Obviously over it. I'm over right. it. Oh, the right. Yeah. You're talking Val, about. You're talking Val, about the uh, Val, we're yeah. we're, he we're we're here interviewing Rob. Not 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 uh, reminiscing. Your <laughs> not reminiscing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob. Round two. Thanks, podcast dad. So game two was against Steel <laughs> Phalanx, and this was the inevitable game against a Canberra local. Um, this was against uh, Sam. Uh, awesome guy, and he's a he's a player who's kind of like getting. I think he's played Guild Ball in the past, so he's got that competitive like competitive mind. Um, and he's in the process of learning Infinity, and he's come. He's getting really good at it, uh, and also he's just a weapon with Phalanx. Um, we've played a bunch of games, uh, a bunch of games like literally in this matchup. Like I think we've played four or five games over the course of the the CanCon prep, um, and so this was scary. This was also unmasking, and I think that was what gave me a degree of confidence because although Toha have no specialists that are good in unmasking, Ferroware is an incredible ace in the hole. Um, other factions can like try and missile down enemy HVTs, um, but that is not nearly as order efficient as just moving because the, the Ferroware model has chain of command if it's the first tack wheel. It's gotten into the midfield to press the button and then it walks three paces and rain blasts a, a HVT through a wall. So Toha have the ability to play unmasking kind of just independent of your opponent's entire list, which is good because Phalanx are incredibly powerful. And they are also really good against Toha um, with no, like, there's no really great face-to-face -face role against Phoenix. Um, nothing I have compen like really deals with BS14, Mimetism 6, two wounds, um, effective. And uh, of course they've got, like, the whole faction is full of, like, Death Star stealth link teams, hmm. so they can progress through your Ferroware until they're where they want to be, yeah. and they have access to Eclipse. I think get past them to cool, um, and Uterus as well. And yeah, they have Uterus have... now would be the bane of Toha being structure. So I look, I played against him twice, and yes, the fact that he can punch through your um, Ferroware defenses is relevant. But it's also like he would be a good piece even if he had wounds because he's got two of them. And he's he's all of those qualities. He's Eclipse Smoke, good gunfighter, amazing close combat, and stealth. Um, so he just gets where he needs to be, throws some smoke, and then gets into melee. And yeah. so this this game um, promised to be very difficult, and it promised to be even more difficult when I failed like four consecutive Ferroware rolls to kill a HVT. Which will happen. <laughs> it's worth remembering that Ferroware is like two dice 14s versus one dice 13. That's not a good face-to-face -face roll by most standards. It's just that nothing happens if you lose. There is no critical failure state apart from the loss of orders. Um, but that happened. That was just like the tack wheel got into position and then went whiff, 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 whiff. And Oof. so I was sitting there with a link team in the midfield waiting for the phalanx rejoinder. Now, I had pressed two buttons and revealed the real HVT. 
And so I had to just kind of weather the storm. And the fact that I had that sniper overwatch was really useful. Um, the link team moved up, they moved forward, they came at me. But Sam got into his own head a little bit in this game, and he'd made a bit of a mistake with deployment, and it took him a couple of orders to extricate himself from that, where Uteros was actually deployed under... Um, Uteros was actually deployed under like Overwatch. So getting him out took like an order, needed to break the link, use the NCO order, which meant that when he actually got into contact with my link team, he didn't have enough orders to hugely commit, and he'd also not positioned smoke just right. And what he should have done is moved Ajax, spent an extra order, just copped that, move Ajax through the smoke, and Ajax got a wide enough base that where he had this smoke to punch my tack wheel, Ajax could have uh -huh. had one toe in the smoke, one toe touching the tack wheel, and taken no nice. face to no no overwatch. Um, it would have taken one more order, but it would have worked. Instead, he used Uteros and he just yeeted out of the smoke and took two flamethrower, two K1, and one viral mm. sniper head. Ooh. And he exploded. And Uteros only has a DACCW, so he knocked my tack wheel unconscious. Mm. And then he ran away, and then my tack wheel regenerated. And I would have sworn black and blue that Sam knew that tack wheel officers had regeneration, because we played like five times before Cameron. Oh, no. But it turned out that he'd put Ajax into them every time before this, and he had just always killed them all. Killed them. Dead. <laughs> um, so he just didn't know, which sucked, and I felt like I'd let him down. Like, it's on the courtesy list. You know, technically speaking, I have fulfilled my requirement to tell him that I have it, but mm. it's not the same. Um, mm. And now, even if he'd known, I don't really know what he would have done, because he other than like you know rewind mm. the term and go in with ajax or something but yep. that was rough um and we, the regional like, role wasn't guaranteed anyway it no, wasn't guaranteed it, absolutely. i was i was assuming i was going to die um yep. but as it happened basically that meant that he ended up in his situation where he's pressed one button and now his link team is kind of like in the middle of the field mm. and we had a conversation where he said like i was like oh, okay what do i actually do here do i play this the boring way or do i find and he's like no you play this the boring way and the boring sure. way was i spent 17 orders on Ferroware. Um, and and you know, blew, through, blew through the link team, blew through the um, uh, blew through the HVTs. Now, fun fact about this game, um, the the link that Sam was running was a super friends link of Ajax, Uteros, Phoenix, and Mikaion. And that link that link like slaps. It's slaps, just it's yeah. super well-rounded. And I it was that and some orders. So I'm like, okay, there's gotta be some stuff hidden. But even I was not prepared for two Agima missile launches and two Ectromoy. What? Um, Excuse me? What? That's what? amazing. You can what? Hit, like, just the, cheap, the chain rifle, 20 point, uh, 20 point Ectromoy. Oh, yeah. But they were in position to come up and come in and make a mess. And that actually was what got him the only HVT kill that he got was the fact that he had multiple Ectromoy to come in and just like get the damn thing. Um, oh, that's lovely. Those, did the Agima, did the Agima do anything? Uh, they, killed a, they killed a delegate. And made me shit my pants multiple times. But I spent <laughs> a lot of the game because there was a lot of SWC. They were what I was expecting. I was expecting Ekramoy. Mm. So expecting um Agima. Yeah. Because he'd gotten me with one. I'd I'd had a whole link team copper missile in one of the practice games against him. So I was mm. like being very cautious. Uh in, in particular, I was moving links in a way where they occupied multiple elevation levels. So mm. I never got never got splashed. The worst that happened was I think I lost a, a diplomat and a Libertos to like one Agima, and that's tolerable. Mm. Um, okay, that's game three. Uh, game three was supplies against Vanilla Aleph. Um, assuming that you're okay with me just sort of rolling on through. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Yep. 
And this was the uh, this was the first game I've ever played against Dion Philip of Toy Soldier Imports. Oh, wow. um, we'd never played before, despite being a lot of events. Um, and he's a he's a mad dog. Uh, he is good fun to play. He's a he's an infectious enthusiasm. Um, he, you know, uh, sorry, can I can I quickly tell a quick yeah. uh, anecdote? Oh, here we go. So go. me and Lachlan, <laughs> uh, me and Lachlan Summer were playing uh, round one, and next to us, Dion was playing somebody uh, next to us, right? And Dion, for the whole time as they were deploying, he's like, "By the way, take it easy. You know, I don't really play too much. I'm a new player." So full and then of me shit. And then me and have to both stop. Like, we turn to his opponent, like, "Listen, he's full of shit. He owns Toastology Imports. He's been playing this game for as long as anyone here. Don't take it easy. Don't fucking pull a punch at all." And but Dion's obviously joking. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was very funny. Uh, so Dion was... Dion runs the most amazing and consistent troll game like of any player in yes. <laughs> any player in in Australia basically. Um, but uh, and also he was playing a freaking Marut. So a Marut and Atlanta like he's got a fantastic toolkit and post humans fantastic t- toolkit for fighting um, Toha because smoke shooting smoke shooting just clears mm-hmm. through um, it just clears through Toha like Sukwell like all of the Overwatch pieces they can be fought relatively mm-hmm. trivially trivially yeah. Um, and he wins the lieutenant role, and he likes to go first. So it's like, all right, this is kind of worst case scenario. Uh, is this, the table's is this really cool. Supremacy, Su- supplies, supplies, right? And to an extent, I think, uh, like this was a really narrow game, um, but I think the first turn played into my advantage a little bit. And he did have a fairly, in- he had a fairly top heavy list. It was a ten-two split with just two models in the second combat group: Atlanta and a Mermidian. The Mimidian being there very obviously to throw smoke, and then for the Marut, and then Atlanta as the like Atlanta. Um, I actually stripped orders from that group because Atlanta was his reserve drop and was one of his reserve drops, plural, and was in position to fight and kill the Nicole. But if I took two orders from her, the Nicole wasn't going to die and she was going to be stuck in place. So I did that and lived with the fact that he had 12 orders in his first combat group to spend. Sometimes, um, some, sometimes that's the calculated. Calculated decision you just oh, have yeah. to make. I think I did that in a, I did that in a recent game where I docked the second combat group that didn't have an awful lot in it, but it, it had like something that if it had three or four orders, it could it could do a lot of work. But when you dock them two orders, they're like, uh, I guess I don't use this unit at all now. Yeah, sometimes you're in a position where two orders from the second combat group actually effectively robs your opponent of like five. Yeah. Um, exactly. So I think that mattered a lot because I was able to get Atlanta on my first turn because she never got to move. But um, the the Marut moved up and I positioned the Sukwell sniper where if the Marut engaged, it was going to be at like 36 inches. But it just blew me apart. <laughs> I took a wound through the symbiote, mate. It, I whiffed everything. It hit everything on nines. I dropped prone. That sucked. Um, but that was the worst of the first turn. And the rest of the turn was Penthesilia basically running around and picking up a box and failing twice. She's got oh. 13. That'll that'll happen, right? Yep. Um, oh. And she was still able to grab it. And this is we talked before about the the like the usefulness of having a specialist piece. Now she's fast enough that she got there quickly, so she had a couple of orders to like faff around. But it meant that she only had just enough orders to get out again. That she kind of like got back to Dion's deployment zone, but that was as far as she got. Mm. And from there, basically, we had this big long scrap. Um, I was able to kind of get up on attrition but never able to put the Marut down. So it was always a threat. Um, I used Super Jump to get an angle on a uh, a random doctor, not the post-human, and put it down, a dactyl. Um, someone in the comments of the video has actually said that it was unsportsmanlike to use Super Jump to not 
clear a gap, which was interesting. Um, what? But sorry, what? So you know how hollow men can like jump up at the common thing, right? Jump up and down with a hollow man to get a high vantage point to shoot from. Yeah. Oh, um, as in like j- just jump on up, the spot, jump, jump just, up three yep, and jump up, down. Yeah. Jump down three. Yep. Jump up two and a half. Jump down two and a half. Um, apparently, there's some people who read the jump rules as like, no, you should use jump to like jump across gaps. Um, oh. Which I've literally never seen. As long as hollow men have existed, as long as the seraph has existed, I've seen people use I it mean, to like. Yeah, I can, it's underst- a position. I, I can right. understand where you're coming from saying it's unsportsmanlike, but suck it up, princess. <laughs> is it? No, it's not. How, I, is it, I, how is it in any way, shape, or form unsportsmanlike? No, no. I, I, I'm all, like, all I'm saying is I can see where they're coming from, no, but like I, I said, suck I, I it can't. up. <laughs> I cannot. I'm, yeah. like, I'm not sure in, well, what, in what world that person lives it, in. It, sure. It's described as it's like it feels like a. Yeah, it's a first principles reading of the rule thing, where if, yeah. you, if you read jump in a total vacuum, it looks like it's supposed to be. Like jump says. This allows the trooper to move horizontally to clear a gap or vertically to reach a higher position. That's what the actual rule says. Or and then it says or diagonally or in a parabola. Um yeah, is, it, is, is, is anyone like, played has anyone ever played Halo? Like all those motherfuckers. Counter Strike. Okay, that's what I was screaming. I was a mute. I was screaming like Counter Strike. Has no one played Counter Strike? Like jumping yeah. and shooting is everything. Anyway, I got a really good jump and shoot with a Sukwell that aced a Dactyl Doctor. And I was able to like get up on attrition. And the Libertos, God, God love it. Um, ran across the table and got into the building that Atlanta was in and and died, but it died killing Atlanta. And with the doctor down, she was down. With the Libertos? Killed Atlanta with the Libertos, yeah. Oh, that's disgusting. Um, Well, like, I had to, right? I I couldn't fight her with anything else. Um, And so, like, I was slowly getting up on attrition. I managed to grab, I managed to use a link team to move forward. And, like, the paramedic grabbed a box and ran backwards, and the rest of the link ran forwards. And the viral Sakiel, the the just line infantry with two wounds, put down, but a viral weapon, put down um, uh, Penthesilia, and it made a run on the Marut. And I basically, the plan was to come around the corner, die to a flamethrower, and huck an EM grenade at the Marut. Yeah. And uh, I came around the corner, died to a flamethrower, and whiffed. Which was oh, tragic, uh, um, and like hitting on fourteens, so you know it's going to happen. But um, I didn't have to do that. But basically, that was how the game kind of just this long, this dance, right? Of I can't put mm. down the Marut, but I have more stuff alive. He yep. cleans off what I put forward. Just that back and forth, and it was one of those games where like it didn't feel like turn three when it was turn three. Mm. Um, mm. Like because Dion plays really fast. He's a really intuitive player. He is and. He just mm. he just plays. He just plays and it like fucking works out for him. Mm. Um he gives the impression of making it up as he goes along, but he's like super good at the game. Mm. And so we're in this final position where like this was the most climactic third turn of any of the games, where I've got no boxes because he's run across the table and the Marut has I've got one box, sorry, I've got one box being held by my tack wheel. He's got one box held by his helper bot from his doctor, who's picked it up after Penthesilia died. So a helper bot is holding one box, and the Marut has run across the table, killed my Tacquil Lieutenant, killed my paramedic, and picked up that box in my deployment zone. So Dion's got two. I've got one. And it's Let's the go, last Dion. Let's go. Let's go, <laughs> Dion. So Let's go. Here is here, it, it, here is what happens. The first thing I do is I've got a few orders in the second combat group, and the delegate has just sort of like wormed her way forward. So she moves, and then she moves again, and then she spends the last two orders in that group erasering the doctor 
which disconnects the peripheral. Uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so then the motorcyclist... Well done. Well, that's a, that's a good idea. It's, because it's a post-human, it also makes the post-human count as a casualty because oh, that's funny. when the post-human's down. Yeah. Um, but so then a mo the motorcycle bounty hunter who's been hiding the whole game drives like 40 inches and grabs the box off of the bloody uh, helper bot. Oh, so now God. I'm holding two and Dion's holding one. So I've won the game and I'm trying to find a way to do something about the last box. And I have like three orders to do it. And I come to the conclusion that I can either take some shots with the Sukwell Commando into the back of the Marut and just see if I can kill it in a couple of orders. Or what I actually did, which is that that K1 Sniper Sukwell, which lost a wound to the Marut in the first turn in one order, is still there with its little triad. And the Marut is like on ground level with its flamethrower next to them. Mm -hmm. So they stand up and they just run out of the building at the Marut. And the goal is not to kill the Marut. The goal is to crash tackle it. <laughs> now, I played, this, I played this wrong, but ended up getting right back. So I was remembering the old school rules for supplies where if you touch the box, you've contested its control. Oh. Um, but how it actually works is in supplies is if you touch the model that is holding the box, you can test control. So to oh. control the supply box in supplies, you have to be holding the box and not in base contact with an enemy. That's a good pickup. I didn't notice that. It's I a just, subtle yeah. change. It has cleaned the rules up. Um, so this link team like salutes each other, says it's been a pleasure, and they just run at the Marut, and it burns two of them to death, but it can't get the third one in time. So this Kaeltar specialist with a light shotgun tackles the Marut, disrupts its control of the supply box, and that's the last order of the turn. So the Marut is no longer controlling its box, which means that I get the one extra point for my opponent controlling those supply boxes. Oh, well done. Disgusting. Um, Disgusting. So that's a, that's a, that is a narrow, that's a, oh, that, that's a 7-1 seven, a seven, or 7-2 seven, win, but really, really hard fought. Mm. Well, look, all I'll say is that it looks like Dion gave you more trouble than he gave me because uh, I cleaned him up pretty quickly in round four. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm, I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure we'll hear, hear all. I look forward to hearing about that, Val. Yeah, <laughs> I actually really yeah, do look forward to hearing about that. All right, so, so that's 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 day one done. Um, just just, one. A, just, just, yep. just a quick one, uh, Rob. How did you feel after day one? And did you do anything in the evening? Or the yes, whatever? yep. So it's become a bit of an institution at. After after day one of CanCon, we all, as we've done in years past, bailed up to the George Harcourt Inn, where we had the whole back section booked out in the open air, in the breeze, and we had a pub feed and a drink. And it was comfortably the best part of the entire weekend. Like 30, 30 nerds hanging out, talking shit, having a drink, um, talking about games and what's been going on, all that jazz. It was just incredible. It was so, so good. Um, I'm not a hugely social person by like inclination. I like it, but it's tiring. Um, but that was just the best. It was just the best. And I got a chance to meet... Um, uh, okay, okay. Let's just move right along here. <laughs> uh, uh, Jordan Altamari. Um, so Jordan, who would be my round four opponent. And the fact that I got a chance to meet him and chat to him at the social event before... Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, Val. He was a lovely guy. He's super cool. Um, hey. I've been told I'm not allowed to compliment him too much, but he's a great dude. And the fact that I got <laughs> no, to just chat, cheesy. like, because like, I matchups, they, they posted matchups for mm -hmm. day two on the evening of. So I knew I was playing, I knew I was playing him. And the chance to just chat, talk, like, talk about the game, talk, like, meet each other meant that rather than being like, okay, who the fuck is this guy that I'm going to have to be playing? What's mm -hmm. it going to be like? It was like, fuck yeah, I'm keen. Like, this guy seems awesome. This is going to be a cool yeah. game. 
Um, so I went home and like went home looking forward to the next day, which means that I actually got some sleep, which is not historically not something that happens at CanCon mm. for me. Um, mm. It tends to be three days of relative insomnia, but that was just, yeah, it was just, I was cracking. Absolutely great evening. The fact that we had the best weather we've ever had for a CanCon. Yeah, um, it was perfect. It hurt, but those evenings are, those evenings are awesome. Mm. Um, so that was, that was the evening of, and just, just the best. Um, that's what like CanCon is a hundred percent about. But yeah, so that headed into day two and game four mm-hmm. against Jordan Altamari, um, who is from your neck of the woods, right, Val? Geelong. Uh, yeah, he was one of the players that um, I took under my wing and raised. In All right, Val. Okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> to be honest, um, jo- uh, Jordan is an ex-40K player who joined the Geelong Infinity scene as I was actually moving away from Geelong. So to be honest, I can't claim much um, influence on him other than my bad takes, as he puts it. Because in the Val chat, is the grumpy um, dad. Jordan, 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 Jordan prefers my takes. I think, I think is what I've heard. He does. Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. You know what Jordan enjoys about the podcast? Just uh, he enjoys when Kevin shuts me down on the podcast. He's like, you just go on these rants, and Kevin just has to bring you back in line. And he's like, that's what I listen to the podcast for. Um, but no, just on Jordan. Um, he's only been playing about nine months, and he's done very well. And um, Holy shit. yeah, he's done very well, and he's been playing that list and tweaking it and just adjusting it. And he's just, I don't know, he just, he gets the game and he's mm-hmm. very, yeah, he just gets the game and he's, yeah, he's very good. And yeah, uh, big props to him for coming fifth on his first, yeah, first two day event. There were a couple of players at CanCon that are like, I haven't met this person before, but I will watch their career with great interest. Like you could tell, like, this is the next generation of like hype, really good Australian players. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Zephyr, Ivory was one of them mm-hmm. and, and um, Jordan's another. But uh, the game was the game was a banger. So um, it was Aleph, but it was Aleph without a Marut. Bless him. And it <laughs> turns out that if you cut a ninety-nine point Marut from Aleph, you can fit a lot of really dangerous stuff, yeah. um, like a lot. And that was his list. Basically, it was like let's cut Aleph, let's cut and drum, um, uh, let's cut the Marut, but keep Penthesilia. Let's add Uteros. Let's add, we'll have Atlantis still. Thank you very much. Let's have McKayon as a lieutenant. Let's have the posthuman squad. Let's let's put in the posthuman rocket launcher, which is the most annoying model in the entire game because it's just yeah. going to last forever. Not die, then get doctored. Like, let's put in a bunch of just you know stuff that can trade and defend. Um, a super good list. Uh, super like, and you could tell it's so. One of the things you can do in Infinity is you can you can play something that is not 100% on meta. And it might be very, very marginally less mechanically powerful, but it'll be close. And the thing is that you will understand it and your opponents won't, right? And that is an advantage because Infinity is a complex game. And if your opponent is like, I've never played against an unlinked Uteros before. What does he even do? And that was me, right? I'm like, I know, I know what Uteros does in Phalanx, but he's impetuous and free running, and that's like a free order and gunfire. And what what is he going to do to me? Um, and I had to just like accept when he ate an entire triad, um, and then figure out how to orient against that. And actually, I, I put him down in in round two. I had to deal with a turn of not knowing what he did, and that was it. Was that kind of a list? So this was the only um, this was the only game of the entire day where I won the lieutenant role of the entire weekend, where I won the lieutenant yeah, role. I lost yeah. every other lieutenant role. And it was in supremacy. Fuck it. Which means, like, supremacy conventionally, you kind of want to go second. 
if you can mm-hmm. because the yeah. scoring is way easier. But mm. I have a basic rule of thumb, which is that if I like, I was like sitting there being like, it's vanilla Aleph. Mm. I don't know what's going to be in his list other than it's not going to be a Marut, but that's, that doesn't make it any less scary. I don't know if I can afford to go second. I do not know mm. if I can afford to go second. Mm. Like there are plenty of pieces in Aleph where if you give them a second of a window, they'll put you down. Mm. And I, I have a rule of thumb, which is that basically if I, if I respect my opponent and I win the lieutenant role, I'm mm. probably going to go first. Uh, unless I'm really confident, like unless I really think, if I if I don't know how this game is going to go, but I think my opponent's got some chops, which is most of the time, just go first. Because the like worst that can happen is that you, you you're going to be down on scenario and you fight through that. And it was the right call yeah. um, because uh, his plan, it turned out, was that if he had the option, he was just going to try and unga bunga through my army and kill everything, <laughs> and then and then win that way. Um, yeah. And this was one of those games where having made the decision to go first, the tack wheel officer... So, firstly, deployment zone sucked, whatever. Um, I, I had to deploy certain things in the open just in the hopes they would be able to get forward. But this was a game where the tack wheel officer showed his quality. And there were a lot of games like this, but this one especially, where there are these huge, colossally open lines of fire between rooftops mm-hmm. and like just a little bit of ability to get in underneath them just a tiny bit, like some very narrow gaps with a bit of terrain. Um, but super, super high, high ground in the deployment zones and really nothing to break it up. But the tack wheel is deployed in the shadow of this building where it can move forward. And so I'm just trying to figure out, like, Lanta and a post-human rocket launcher are on a rooftop, and I could just try and fight her with a Tsuk whale, but that's a, like, win or lose real hard, real fast. What I do instead is that the first two orders of the game are the Sukwales two lieutenant sorry the tack tack wheels two lieutenant orders. And he moves forward. And he moves forward and he crawls up next to a wall and he conjures smoke through a wall. And that eclipse <laughs> smoke just completely opens a line where the little short range assault team, the Sacule viral rifle, the McCall and the and the paramedic, can run forward. And mm-hmm. so they barrel up the board. They've got eight orders, they barrel up the board. Um, I press a button on the way through, I put down a Dakini, I come around a corner, I get up into a building, and a McCall, so on the way, by the by, Symbiobomb, let's isolate McKayon, thank you very much. Oh, um, <laughs> as the only optional, as the only lieutenant. And that was the um, only, there was no chain of command in that last year. Uh, yep. the best lieutenant, but uh, obviously not. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to how much that mattered, um, because Aleph are hugely lost lieutenant resistant, but it still, it still yeah. was worthwhile. And then the McCall gets onto the rooftop. And um, Jordan makes the call. He makes the right call, which he's got to triage the situation. He can't just dodge because I've got like four orders left. So Atlanta takes the shot and the other two dodge. And she misses twice. Oh. And she burns to and she burns to death. And I just leave the McCall there. Um, and that is effectively my first turn. I've taken out three models, but they're three important. But they're, the, there's the Dakini, but otherwise it's his lieutenant, who's effectively out of the game. And Atlanta. I also managed to use the sniper rifle to put down. At that point, I used my sniper to put down this heavy rocket launcher. I've also established <laughs> now. Now I am the one with the snipers, right? Because oh, yeah, Atlanta's yeah. down, and now I'm I the have the Sukwell. Like, I have the sniper and the other sniper watching these huge lanes. I guess the key mm. one um, sniper is not a bad one to put up against that um, that proxy. Once it doesn't have to fight Atlanta anymore, it's yeah. totally fine. Mm. Like nothing else in his mm. list can really fight that. Fight it at that point. Um, so mm-hmm. he 
but the, the turn two is a showcase in how how well ALF can play through loss of lieutenant because they've got three mm -hmm. net rods, which means they've got three veteran orders in their first yep. combat group usually, sure. and and command tokens. So that triad that I'd moved forward, um, McKayon puts them a call down. He dies doing it, but whatever. He was already isolated, and then Uteros just kills the rest of them. Um, he's just like, mm -hmm. I'm cool, I'm I'm impetuous, and I've got a line I can move forward, and I'll throw some Eclipse, and I'll just stab or shoot you all to death. Let's fucking go. Um, oh, so Jordan, then, for getting the sequence right, because I'm sure it would have been uh, a lesser player could get that sequence wrong, where he would have could have gone with Uterus first instead of just giving up on Machion and getting rid of the McCool. Yeah, no, he, he he he. It was a really good example of triage, where it's like Machion is kind of already a lost piece. Mm -hmm. So let's use Machion to kill the piece that would otherwise like trade with anything. Because the mm -hmm. the McCall, if Uteros goes into close combat with McCall, he's necessarily going to win. That's an even fight. It's actually mm -hmm. slightly favored for the. It's slightly favored for the McCall. Um, yep. Whereas Machion is like flamethrower me. I'm going to shoot you, and they traded. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Which broke the triad, which made Uteros's job easier. And so Uteros mm -hmm. just demolished that team. Um, which meant that I was down three models, and I don't remember, I'd, I'd killed effectively two of his, and he just killed three yeah. of mine. Um, or I'd killed, yeah, so I killed three of his so you, once, once McCann went down. Yeah, so you basically oh, punched he, the whip 12 out of him turn one. It's a joke he'll get. Don't worry, you guys won't okay. get that joke, but he'll get, he'll All right. get it. Okay. Um, but it basically <laughs> meant that despite the, loss, so despite the loss of Lieutenant, he equalized the game really well. And we kind of just were in this reset position where I was down three things, he was down three things, what do we do? But the fact that I was the one with the snipers basically at that point was determinative. And I basically just kept the pressure on. I was able to push forward, punch through some things, hit his right flank really hard. And this was part of the game where the fact that like it was at this point that the, some of like the weaknesses of the deployment zones let me really push through and do some damage. Um, and the the score at this point begins to tick up. I get buttons pressed. I get far enough ahead at that he basically he's eventually in this position where the fact that he's down the post-human rocket launcher, he's down Uteros. I'm able to pin Uteros back actually, where this is an example of like adapting on the fly. You you cannot stop Uteros with Ferroware, and all I have to stop Uteros on that flank is Ferroware. So I literally just move the lieutenant out and put him in suppressive fire. Because uh, it is the only way my my poor Tacquil officer has a chance of surviving Uteros is to just fight him as he's running at me. And it worked. Um, actually, when I'm like, move, move, suppressive fire, Jordan was just like, I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> it, was the, it was the only line. And it took me until turn two. It took me losing a whole triad to Uteros to be like, this is the only way to stop him. And so mm -hmm. I laid a bunch of suppressive fire, pinned him back. And the game at that point spiraled in my favor. The, the attrition mounted up, the damage mounted up. I, I pushed through. Mm -hmm. um, but it was this really like close back and forth. First, like that first turn, the game was on a razor's edge both directions. Um, in a super interesting way, and it was a real like showcase of how well that list, that A left list, can work and survive through some attrition. Mm. That was super sweet. Um, so, absolute banger of a game. Really glad I got to play it. Yeah, um, look, um, well done, Jordan, and just uh, I guess uh, I guess a standing standing ovation for I uh, guess Jordan on behalf of Geelong to um, <laughs> putting up a fight on behalf of Victoria and the Geelong uh, Meta uh, representing. No, so, just a thank you very much, standing Jordan. ovation or a crotch shot from Val. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I couldn't get my camera right. So, anyway, uh, okay, no, but All right, well done, right, right. So, like, on to round five, undefeated, fifth and final, fifth and final game. And <clears throat> look, remember all of that talking that we were doing before about how Shazvastia is a faction that just needs to get a little bit lucky yeah. Mm -hmm. um yeah so this was this was game five against luke henry who is just one of the he's he's emblematic of actually i think he like he was emblematic of victoria this year which is 
super, super lovely person. And holy fuck, you guys have gotten good. Like there was a period like five years ago where the the commentary on Victoria as like a meta was you had some very good players, but broadly you were known for being the really lovely guys, yeah. which is that kind of like, that's a little backhanded, isn't it? But you, like, yeah. you know, some really good players, but everyone from Victoria, holy shit, you guys came with knives out this year. Like, um, Every Victorian player was just like the you. You were f like tons of people placing in the top ten of the event. Um, super, super, just high quality, high quality play as well. Like really good, really clean, really sharp play. Um, just, just talk about talk about leveling up in yeah, the years think, since the pandemic. Was it? I think was it six players in the top ten? One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, six players in the six players from Victoria were in the top ten. Which is just mm. a like what yeah. an outcome. Um, yeah, we were really happy and, with that. And, yeah, Luke. Luke was emblematic of that. I think you couldn't um, just I'm let just... us have the top position. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's New South Wales. That, guy, wasn't, you... that was New South Wales' fault, not 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 Canberra's. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, uh, so Luke yeah, Luke had basically been murdering his way through Canberra players <laughs> to get to the top position. I think he'd taken out like three of three of my uh, three of my my state <laughs> my state teammates. Um, but uh, he was playing Shazvastii, and Shazvastii versus Tohar is already one of those like clashes of philosophy where Shazvastii need to get just a little bit lucky and Toha are really good at dealing with getting a little bit mm. unlucky. And if you like if you think about the matchup like monofilament versus symbiomate, right? That's mm. the that's the clash between Toha and Shazvastii. Mm. Um and if the speculo can connect somewhere that the symbiomate's not, um they're in a good spot. But that that's the game. And the the video I've got breaks this down a little bit more. Um, although I don't think I put quite enough talk about the real struggle here was firstly I lost the role. He went to go first, right call, um, and I had to really put time into thinking about my deployment. I was going to say and, I think I think he may have learned from your round five at Novacore when he was playing Starco. Was it or was it round five or was what some round? Round one. We played round one at Novacore. Oh, that's did you it was. face? Oh, you played a Luke round one Nova Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think he learned oh, from that. Not, not to let it go first. <laughs> yeah, he learned. Do that not give. Do not give Rob first turn. <laughs> um, this this was a game with like a lot of ultimately a lot of back and forths, but um, really, like I had to put I, so much mental energy into just like layering the defenses so that they could survive a Shazvastii attack, and it meant doing things like. All of the ferroware was in one place. Um, mm. So if if because that was where the symbiomates weren't. So if the speculo killer went into that, mm. she'd be copying multiple like ferroware arrows, stuff like that. Um, mm. The Libertos was you know you always reserve drop your Libertos against Shazvastii, and the Libertos mm. went to counter one of the one of the speculos, that kind of stuff. Nice. Um, but ultimately, the call that the call that Luke made this game was he made an attempt to get ahead on scenario in cryogenics, and this is an example of like how I don't think the scenario is figured out yet because it is something that you can do, but it's really it's actually really really difficult. So in cryogenics, you can if you press three consoles on the first turn, yeah, you've scored two points for pressing at least two of them, and your opponent now can never get because the consoles disappear. Your opponent can now never get those two points, but yeah. it takes quite a lot to press all three consoles, and. It took Luke, like, so a Malignos appeared, tried to press the first button, failed, tried again and failed, then got it. Then it moved forward, then it mm. pressed the next one, and then his HVT appeared in my deployment zone. Mm, and like then he tried one. to exfiltrate the Malignos, but he was running out of orders, and he got isolated. 
Um, so even though he was attempting to, because that was where my my um, eraser was. So even though he was like trying to get away with the trying to like move the um, yeah. HVT back to his side of the table, if he got isolated, which he did, it just then just breaks mm. the it breaks the civilian yeah. state. Um, and so then the malignos was stuck there, isolated, which meant that it was food for Ferroware. Because it had like it failed a couple of rolls, which meant it had to rubber band back and forth mm. off of the off of the um thing. What did go That's well for brutal. him is that when he made the play on the third button, and he was doing that with a shrouded underline of fire of like two different guns, he made it. Three different guns. He made it. He got first try with the shrouded. Um the shrouded died to press the button, but he locked the two points down. But if you think about that as a play, yeah, he has lost a model. I haven't lost any. Mm. And although he's sec he's secured two scenario points, the the problem with making this play is that, and I mentioned this in the video for like for more cool analysis, if you make that play in cryogenics, you've got to do it and do some damage because mm. once once he'd locked me out of those two scenario points, I now had I basically had no scenario to play until turn three. I needed to mm. get my master creature into a quadrant, but that was very easy. Who that was your master creature? My tack wheel lieutenant. Okay, and who who was his? Was just gonna, uh, a his his un his non camouflaged Caliban um, Caliban engineer. Oh, it's a tough one. That it's a fucking tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one. It is. It's hard to have a, a good data tracker master breacher for um, yeah. for Shazvasti. Mm -hmm. so, um, so because of what he's done, he's pretty much giving you permission to just beat the crap out of him. Yeah, for, for three turns. Three turns. Yeah. Because right. all you have I've to got, do is. You don't even have to touch the. You just have to be in zone of control. In the zones, yeah. I've got nothing yeah. to do for three turns mm. except maybe press one button and step on his neck. Yeah, and, and so that's uh, what I do. I, I find that I, I find a lot of people talk about that tactic, and I've never been a big fan of it because if you do that mm. tactic, I think you all like you say you either have to kill stuff as well, um, or you have yeah. to kill their master breacher, um, which requires mm. a very particular list that can do. They can push the buttons effectively with, the, say, the group two, and then you've got like your eight orders in group one to go kill things. Mm. But if you can't do both of those things, then I wouldn't advocate for pushing the three buttons. Personally, I know people yeah. have. I I don't particularly like it. Mm. I, also, I... I also find it a little odd that uh, uh, pressing the buttons. I always thought if you're going to press the buttons, press your two first. Uh, no. like, the risk with doing that, Jacob, is that they are. No, I, I, I know. They've only got about a fifty percent chance of having yeah. one of the HPTs in it. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. My preferred play in like an ideal world is to have something like either a mobile link team with a paramedic or a piece yeah. like the Knight Montessa Doctor mm -hmm. paramedic, where you have a very fast piece that can reliably press the buttons. On route mm. to your opponent's side of the deployment of the table, with <laughs> right, you yeah. you want to have a piece that will just drive mm. by the buttons, press two incidentally, and then make a mess. Mm. Yeah, and then once you've pressed two, you've secured your two points, mm. and it's not like it's easy for your opponent if they've sustained casualties to do the same thing back because one of those buttons is going to be on your side of the table, which you'll presumably defend, so you can make it challenging for them, and and, and then maybe you lock them out yeah. later in the game. And in Shaz, there's not very many. Um, things that you actually want to do that with, like the the seed soldier paramedic is fine, but it doesn't have a camo state once it moves. Uh, Doctor Worm is good, but again, it's, it's Doctor Worm. Um, you can put a Nox in a fire team maybe with a shear skin, but then you're it's four four move. Uh, it's not the I the, I the best like selection. the malignos. I like yep. the malignos. Mm. It's good fourteen, so it has an okay chance, and it starts next to one of the buttons. Mm -hmm. I think mm. I think under ideal circumstances against like not. My deployment zone would have made this really difficult. 
because I had all of that overlapping ferroware where the Malignos was going. But I think there would be games where the Malignos can start next to a button, press it, move forward, press another one, and then be a killer hacker, submachine gun, regenerating Mimitism 6 BS12 piece to like kill things. Um, but it just, mm. it just didn't work. It didn't work against my army. It relies. I don't play as Varsity, but uh, you guys are all wrong. <laughs> you just need two Siege Soldier paramedics and uh, uh, Specular Killer throwing smoke and just boom, you've got it. No, it's a terrible idea. Thank you. Hundred percent. Thank, <laughs> Thank you for this contribution. I think. Even David Rob's throwing right. shade at me. All right. Moving. Moving. Moving on. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what, the, like uh, the last thing to say about that is yeah. that um, Luke. So I mentioned like to win an event, you got to get a little bit lucky at least. And this was one of the games where like, despite the fact that I hadn't won a, had won one lieutenant role across five games. This was just a, my first turn was just, it was just smooth as butter. Like everything worked first time. Mm. And that's not actually something that happens as Toha very often. You've got lots of ballistic skill 13, like, you know, K1 snipers are, sure, they make your opponent armor zero, but they damage 13. But just everything worked. Um, the Noctifer revealed and took a, got a kill, but once it revealed, I knew where it was. And it, like, as Shazvastii, when your opponent just like face to face roll, Wins take a casualty. Face to face roll. Wins take a casualty. It's hard to play Shazvastii into that because mm-hmm. they don't. They they want to, you know, they want to stall your opponent out. Have the Noctifer waste orders, etc. So this was yeah. a really rough game for Luke, um, and that was it. That was the that was the last of um, last of CanCon. Obviously, he'd locked me out at two points, um, but it was otherwise an eight eight two or eight three. Um, win to the Toha. Maybe with the classified, perhaps. Well done. Well done. Mm. Cool. So, what was your uh, ending TP and OP, if you could if you remember? Um, it was. Got... Okay, so it was all mages. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was something like oh, 10, okay. 10 plus 10 plus 7 plus oh, 8 plus 8, I think. Um, yeah. uh, 40. Was it? No. And a pretty ungodly number of VP. Not a lot of stuff died. That's a that's a Toha yeah. perk. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Congratulations well on on your fart and your maiden your maiden victory at your well your done. home your home state tournament. Um, it sounds like it was a good fun good fun event and five five great players. Uh, three three ALF players, which I guess is fine. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that would be maybe the I don't know I don't know how you feel about like playing multiple armies. I guess they weren't the same army because you had a steel you had a steel. The fact that, the fact that you, it was yeah. phalanx marut and then non marut alif meant there was some variety. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I know. If, yeah, like I think you said before. I think a few people played like multiple maruts. So fun, fun, fun. Um, all right. Well, we're gonna have to wrap up real soon, but we want to just throw a couple of um, closing thought questions at you, Rob. If you're okay to stick stick around for a little bit longer. Um, all right, so we're just it's, these are just sort of general thoughts on State of Infinity and your personal place within the game. Val, do you want to take it away? Seeing as you wrote, yeah, these? for sure, yeah, for sure. Uh, so one of the things I overheard you mention in um, on the tournament or maybe in your video where you suggested it's important for players to take diverse units and factions in events. I'm not sure if you referred to top tier players, but or just just players in general. But um, yeah, what do you mean by that? And do you want to expand on that if possible? Sure. So, so did, you, did you ever say that? Actually, yes. No. No. I'm. I'm. This is a soapbox that I'll try and avoid climbing onto too heavily. But, um, war games abhor a solved state. Um, nothing is kind of worse for the the broader health of a game like this one we play 
then thinking that there is a single way to do everything and that like there's so, basically thinking there's no way to explore thinking the game is solved mm. and infinity has the benefit of being like colossally solution resistant it's too complex the the fact that tables change on every on you know like from meta to meta from event to event from game to game means that you'll never be in a truly truly solved state but even then the game the game is a product of us the players playing it and the game is better if it is constantly novel if it's not solved if it's as varied as possible mm. And one of the ways that people can contribute to the game not being a solved state is to not play the same thing over and over. Um, mm. If you've, if you've, that this is not for everyone. Like this is a, this is a if you can thing. But if mm. some some people only own one army, some people some people are just mm. like are just Panoceanian players, mostly Panoceanian players actually. Right. Like, <laughs> or it's like, you know, it's the it's the you own Aleph, you've always played them, you love them, What? that's fine. That's like, this is not a sledge of people who just really enjoy their lane and they love perfecting it. But if you can play multiple games, like play multiple factions, if you can proxy, if you own multiple factions, mm. um, even if you like are a Nomad player, but you can kind of collectively run Corregidor, you know, Bakun and, and Tunguska and Vanilla, um, just it's a bit of a call to... If you win an event or do well an event, or if you just like are comfortable, if you've played one list a bunch, play something different because nothing presents the perception of a solved game than constantly seeing the same thing over and over. Um, and like, you know, the, the idea that there are true consistent meta lists, like the Nomad list with a tag, Jazz, Billy, Puppet Bots, Guided Missile Launcher, two Morans, right? That, that archetype. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. If you like, that's a super good list. And if you have played mm -hmm. that at an event and come really well, maybe try something different. Maybe set yourself a challenge. Maybe try a sectoral that doesn't do all of those things. Like whatever, it doesn't matter. But the game, the game that we collectively play, the like the the meta that is us, is better if it's not just like, oh yeah, it's that again. That has become so common as to basically be perceived as solved. Um, yep. And that doesn't yeah. necessarily mean playing stupid, dumb meme lists, but it I mean, can like, mean a self challenge. But it can even just be like, yeah, just just changing it up, just being like, I'm mm -hmm. gonna try as like I have won a game with I've run an event with Morats. I'm gonna now try and do as well as I can with the next faction that I might choose to play. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's good for the game's health. Good for well, I hope Ed. Si I hope Ed Sykes listens to this because he's been playing Spiral for about twelve months. The bastard. No, he has bounced back and forth between different factions. Um, Val, of, has... all, of <laughs> all the people on this call, I think you're the least one to talk. The amount of yeah. time you've spent playing ISS. That's true. That's very true. That's well, like, so, you know, Val, you, you podiumed for the, like, this was your first, like, really big event, like, yes. you know, podium finish, right? And you've That's been, right. exactly you've right. been pushing ISS for a while and you've you got there. Like, you did it. You did the thing. You had a fantastic I result. Did, I definitely great did run. the thing. So now you can play a different faction. Yeah, like we absolutely, like, it'll be like, tack attack. We have a like yeah. you know we we we've obviously got some um some some Patreons on the chat as well listening in as we're recording this live. Um, shout out if you want to become one of our Patreons, you can you can give us some money and listen to this live. But one of us, one of them who's been playing Aleph for for basically since he started playing, he's now really excited to to get into Caledonian, um, which is like yeah, you know, quite Josh. the step change from Aleph. But that's that's kind of what I think yeah. keeps this game so. Um, you know, keeps it so fresh for people. Yeah, yeah we change fashions. It's an if you can. It's one of those things. It's not like you know, not easy for everyone to do. It's very easy on TTS. It's super easy on TTS. I actually have no idea why someone would choose to just play the same faction over and over and over on TTS. Yeah, but, it doesn't make sense. Um, in in person, you'd never, you'd always be surprised. Like 
you, we've got some local players who will just lend armies around. Um, right mm. now, we have a new player into the community who is literally borrowing a whole Shazvastii army that, you know, there's a degree of trust that has to be extended there, but yes. it's fucking awesome. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, soapbox, soapbox put away. That's that's what I meant by that. Yeah, but it also expands you as a player by playing different factions mm -hmm. uh, and getting in tune with different mechanics, uh, and then seeing these uh, different mechanics in their strength, uh, in their element in one faction, and then seeing these same mechanics in maybe the faction that you uh, well, uh, take to an event. Yeah, I think I think it's I think it's more of an issue, not an issue. It's more of an issue when with, within it within a faction because because especially with online people online tts and etc there is a, there is a like say there's a state of solved right so you take this this unit this unit this unit it doesn't matter that this unit's like don't bother with these units because they're just not as good as these units oh, um, so there is that there is that mentality uh, nomads is a good example where why would you ever take the camouflage moran when there's the clearly better repeater mm. moran uh but you know and it does then mean people won't try those profiles because they're, and in some in some cases they are just garbage, right? But in most yeah. most profiles in Infinity aren't garbage, and they just yeah. aren't taken by people. Yeah, and if you when, if you start with the position of why would you ever take X, Y is better, the game is demonstrably less rich. Boring. It's boring, absolutely. Like the Ninja Hacker. So the Ninja Hacker won me. Sorry, just to go on a rant. The Ninja Hacker <laughs> won me three out of my five games. And if you go on the forums, everyone will say the Ninja Hacker is fucking dumb. Take the Killer Hacker. And my God, they're so wrong. I can't. I can't even begin. But anyway, well, uh, I, I, but yeah, I think it's horses uh, for courses. There, you know. I think they they do different things. Um, you know, pe pe people maybe value the killer hacker as a button pusher, whereas you value the the hacker as a button pusher, but also an offensive hacker, or also uh, or uh, yeah, defensive hacker. Defense. Sorry, a defensive hacker. Yeah, yeah. Same same thing at the start of the cast there, where I started talking about running the moor. Like I know I could just take a Mukhtar MSV2 Red Fury, and that's just a hands down better gunfire. But I don't want to take that. I want something that can do more yeah, than yeah. just shoot its Red Fury and um, move. Mm. You know, move around the move around the table. Um, so I think yeah, if you get yourself into this sort of like this is these are these are your four gunfighters in the faction. Anything else is mm. just suboptimal. Then like you say, you get into this kind of linear thought yeah. process where you don't actually experiment with your lists. And, mm. and there's a certain joy in panning for gold. Yeah, and yeah also, also that also gives yeah. you a chance to it also gives you a chance to understand why like Corvus Belly have an idea about what their profiles are supposed to do, and sometimes it's not super clear until you give them a shot. Mm -hmm. Try and yes. find out. Okay, what uh, what am I actually supposed to do with this unit to make them tick? Mm. Um, I'll go back to my mm -hmm. you know, recent revelation of things with short range weapons, but um, visual but visual modifiers are meant for tournaments where your opponent has to come towards you and you can punish them with this you know mm. thing that has sixteen inch range, but a like a kick ass gun like a plasma car link. Yeah, Link. Links yeah. is a perfect yeah. example. It's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Um. Um. On the, the uh, sorry, Val, do you have something you want to say? No, no, no. Go on. Go yeah, on. I was just gonna say. Uh, so, uh, on that um design aspect, uh, what are your thoughts on the current ITS season? I like it. I so look when that when that um forward observer remote check, like special rule dropped. Tackle I was like, okay, they've 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 they fucked it up this time. They finally <laughs> fucked it up. That's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous benefit. Um, but having now played with it a whole bunch, um, 
I would say I would be surprised if it in so like you know how they did the bike season and then they most bikes went up a point, not all of them did. Um, but they kind of like they introduced the bike stuff that they tested in the previous season. Yeah. I would be very surprised mm. if we saw a full incorporation of the Forward Observer remote buff in, yeah. in yeah. the game following the end of this season. But despite that, I, I have really enjoyed it. Uh, yes, it makes those remotes really, really cool. But the thing about them is that ultimately they're all still armor zero and combi rifles. So they're not, they've, they've just become this like super interesting support piece that you can splash in a list and it makes certain lists viable otherwise wouldn't have been Mm -hmm. by themselves they're not like you know you can't spam armor zero combi rifles and win a game and in any Mm -hmm. case they're almost always availability one there are Mm. exceptions to that obviously the rafik being probably the biggest yeah i i've I've gone back to the rifle light shotgun rafik as my preferred of the profile because of the utility right the the reason why it's so useful is it's this little piece that moves forward and does a repeater network and pushes a button and is fast Uh, and like just does all of these little things that are useful yeah Yeah. um yeah you can take the rafik and then it's like oh i didn't roll any 14s and mama zero fuck um yeah the one i find slightly scary is the bloody meteor I think yeah, that, I pie well, I pie yeah, well. Yeah, pie well as well. I think I think it has a similar effect to what the bike rules had on the previous season, where um, it would make up for a lack for a deficiency in your list, usually in relation to like having some kind of gun, like an an additional cheap gunfighter. Uh, you know, like you know, you could take the Red Fury Bounty Hunter in the old season. That's like a that was like a sixteen point Red Fury that you could just kind of yeet at something and it might do damage. This season, I find the same thing with the Sensor Bot. I like I put the Rafik in all of my lists, the Red Fury one because it's a twenty point, pretty decent gunfighter that's also a specialist, is super super useful and kind of makes up for like gaps and gaps in your list. Even if you take the combo rifle one, it's still it's still an excellent um you know mid uh, short range short range short range piece. Um, and Hello, Heloise is on record as saying that from his perspective, I'm pretty sure this is the case, from his perspective, the purpose of ITS, I don't think he put it exactly this way, but it's to insert novelty into the game. It's to make the meta change a little bit every year mm-hmm. so that we're not doing the same thing over and over and over. Yeah. And yeah. this is absolutely, like, yeah, it's absolutely caused lists to change. It hasn't, it, it's been very impactful. It's been super interesting. I played a faction with fuck all in the way of benefit from it at CanCon, and it didn't slow me down. Um, but like, I'm, now I'm going to play Hakism. I'm going to use it. It's I I think under Heloise's stewardship, um, ITS is in a really good spot. I think he understands the importance of the like seasonal rotation really well. So mm. I, I like it. I'm I also really like that they've removed decompression zones from a bunch of scenarios. Oh, they, they did, did they? Oh, yeah, I wasn't sure if it was. If some were, of them are were... some of them are still there, but yeah. some of them are gone. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I, and I guess coupled coupled with the terrain rules every year, I find that really refreshing and nice because it make mm. does make you look at um, well, not not necessarily look at profiles, but again, I was like playing Rama, I didn't realize how many profiles had terrain total. Um, super super useful in missions that 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 have that um, bonus, which is just yeah. a nice little. Uh, topping i do feel though that i don't know what your opinion is on this rob but i do feel that the missions are feeling quite stale even with these changes um i would we like to see that much in the way of change this year yeah so cryogenics is new and other missions have had some like light facelifts mm-hmm. but it feels like most of the mission design effort from the designers went into the like simple scenarios that they introduced mm. which for us right like sitting at this metaphorical table are all just like simpler fightier versions of scenarios we've already played yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think as we're we big as, dogs. Um, it is totally worth noting that there is 
literally support from the developers to play custom missions if you want to. Um, again, yeah. Heloise has said OTM supports running one custom mission per um, event, but if you want to run more than one custom mission, yeah, just, just put in fucking supplies or something and score it like as the as a placeholder. Run mm -hmm. two or three custom missions if you want. And I think that is really, really good, mm -hmm. and more people should do that. Yeah, and then one of the reasons why we're where we're running our quarterly challenge is, is about the classifieds, because I think I feel like yeah. if, if if nothing else, the classifieds is what seems to arc people the most. Um, in it ICS. is ripe for a new deck. It's just, uh, it just that's feels, what I quarterly challenges. It just feels <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like they're there now. Like they've always been there, so they just kind of be like you know, outside of countermeasures and how to classify where they're integral parts of the scoring the mission. Uh, and I guess you know, and to offset it, they've been increasing the number of classifies in some missions. Like Frontline's got four, Firefight's got three, and there's a bunch of them now that I've got two. But it still feels tacked on. It still feels like we're not. It's just there because we've got this deck we have to use. So I'd really love them just to change the deck yeah. or change or just remove them something Mission to make design. it have a have secondary objectives that are different um done differently. So, so I, I'm hoping that we get I some good like do good some good um ideas for this this coming quarter. Yeah. I do like the frontline and firefight changes where it's like four points in the scenario or classifieds now. Yeah. Um but even with that, like, because I think I think that balances the li the the list construction for otherwise very fighty scenarios in an interesting way. Mm. Um, but even then, right, like, yeah, the the in terms of novelty into the game, um, a new a new classified deck that'd be super cool. Yeah. Mm. Um, um, all right. So the, uh, you want to ask the next question? Yeah, I was gonna say. Um, I know we're keeping you up, Rob, but uh, just basically, just a quick question on your thoughts on TTS's impact on Infinity. Uh, just like broad, if there's any thoughts at I mean, all. It got us not. through the pandemic. It did absolutely. Yep. And um, have you played yeah, it much lately, yeah. um, Rob? I've been playing Song of Ice and Fire on TTS, not okay. Infinity. Not Infinity. Oh, but really? you have. When, when was the last time you played TTS Infinity? I don't know. Um, yeah. During a lockdown, I think. Yeah, because I know, I know you're, you know, like, like, like all of us, we're pretty big into it when we couldn't leave the house. But I feel a lot of us dropped it as soon as we could. Using your PTSD. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I kept playing some games on it. Um, but once the community, basically, in terms of just energy, I had right. Um, once the option existed to start spending that energy reinvigorating the local, invigorating the local community, I kind of had mm. to do that. Mm. Fair enough. Yeah, cool. And, and then, we and are then... seeing though, just as a. Go ahead. Sorry, Kev. No, no, go ahead. As a bit of bit of commentary, um, there are two two players I know now who are in that like young up and coming generation who cut their teeth on TTS. They learned to play during the pandemic. Yeah. And they are now learning to play in person. And that's super cool that it's an entry mm -hmm. point into the game. So we've got a local player called Maxine. Um, mm -hmm. She's the one I mentioned borrowing Shazbastii from a mm -hmm. local because she's mm -hmm. only ever played on TTS. She doesn't have any in-person oh, army yet. Oh, I want to meet She was running um, around. Yeah, she, she was came... running around at CanCon. Yeah, she, um, yeah, she came to say hello to Hector and I. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then Zephyr, right? Zephyr, um, yeah. from, from Sydney. They um, they learned to play on TTS and they've got, they've got a Panoceanian army. And they've, but they've yeah. been like killing it in the online leagues and they came forth at CanCon. And I know yeah, that how they... a long way to go, to be fair. <laughs> Fuck off. How they were, how they were feeling, right? They, they, they were doing the whole like, oh, it's my first event. Oh, I'm not sure how I'm going to do. 
And it's oh, like, no, no, you're playing, a weapon. They're, they're playing, they're playing mental games. They're like, oh, poor defenseless me. No, no, it's it's genuine, right? It's, it's that, true because they they they're young. On the other hand, they're also like an Olympic fencer. Um, yeah. yeah, the person is a polymath, but it's, um, it it, fe- it feels like that meme of that old guy is hunched over, going, yeah, call, call an ambulance, ambulance, but not for, but me, not yeah. for me. Um, just to bring yeah. attention to myself again, uh, Zephyr to play put me on TDS. Zephyr learned to play on TDS and he put me lost a lieutenant in turn one and I had a pheasant with mad traps and a Shen. And he still put me lost a lieutenant turn one. So he killed my chain of command and my lieutenant who was a heavy infantry um, turn yeah. one. It was fucked. It just goes it to show disgusting. that TTS is a transferable skill, but I do yes. totally agree with them saying that this is their first event because it's it's a different environment. We were talking about the differences between oh, TTS yeah. events and, and, and IRL events. Uh, you've got people you've never met before. You've got dice you may never have. You know, it's just it's the, an- <laughs> the an- you, you know the real dice. dice. <laughs> roll. I'm just pressing the button on the screen and nothing's happening. Yeah. He's <laughs> sitting there with the dice sitting there and yeah. just going five. Why and is it the, rolling? The anal- the analog event. There's different nerves at play. I think as well. There, yeah, I think it's there's different- loud as fuck. Yeah, there's different. Yeah. Um, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Different uh, environmental factors. Environmental factors, no, and, I, and also a, a different. Fuck, what's I'm thinking of? Like the the etiquette, vibe. I guess, as well. The vibe. Oh, the, yeah. Just the way you know, like the the analog nature of in real person events is far different to the very um, uh, precise nature of TTS. So I think that I, I I would love to ask somebody who's been purely playing on TTS who goes to their first event and sees the way that people play in person mm. and and i wonder if, if i don't know like if they were like oh if there are any differences i'd love to get zephyr on the show actually yeah. to ask him those questions yeah we probably should ask zephyr to come on the show um I, in hindsight i should have just like physically intimidated with him with my presence because like obviously <laughs> being on online all the time because you're such a, a big warrior, such so. a such a large bloke val big imposing <laughs> silhouette i'm more attacking my physique kevin i'm leaving this fucking podcast i'm telling you right now <laughs> Uh, I hate you. Um, oh. All right, so you know what you uh, should have done. You know what you should have done, Val, if you wanted to do that, is hide behind like a tiny little tree, and he wouldn't have been able to see you, and then jump out. Okay. Oh, you son of a bitch! Both of you are getting on board. <laughs> okay, fun. so we're gonna we're, we're gonna we're gonna close it off here with a a, a final question here. Yeah, as um, so you've been playing Infinity for how long, um, Rob? Probably about five years now. Yeah, five years, and Maybe a um, longer. Yeah, and obviously you've been playing War, War Machine prior to that, um, and now you're also also playing Song of, Song of Ice and Fire. Sort of, what's your general feelings with Infinity at the moment, where it stands as it stands? Um, I'm. I mean, frankly, I'm in a fugue state because I just I've just chalked off CanCon and the list of things to do. So it's the like, okay, cool. Uh, I guess I'm going to go back to running local events now and kind of like being chill. Um, find some new stuff to explore. Go back to do a bit of Hacker's Lamb, etc. Um, the game is in a in a good place. It's hard to dissociate myself mentally from the like the competitive space that my head has been in. And it's very worth noting that like tournaments are not what the game is made of. Tournaments are like these climaxes. They're these high points. They're very visible. But you know, LVO and CanCon and even Interplanetario are huge, tiny portions of the game's overall play experience. Um, and you look at that and you're like, okay, cool. Oh, there's X-Many Aleph players and there's this and there's this mission pack that was really, really good. 
Um, but then on the other hand, uh, last night at my local game store, I was running a demo for two two different. I was running a demo for three players. There were two other games in progress. One of them was with Maxine, who I mentioned, who has literally just come off TTS and is borrowing an army from another local. Um, and so she's learning how to play in person. And then there's these two other local guys that are like incorporating lessons learned from at CanCon, and I'm running this demo. And that feels like a good spot. That feels like what the game is actually like. That the game is is mm. people at local game stores um, hanging out, having a chat afterwards, having a good evening, basically. And at least in Canberra, that feels good. And from the people like the Melbourne community, especially um, all of you guys that came up, um, the the bus, the actually, frankly, the the name a more <laughs> iconic image than. Or was it Val and what is the Val doppelganger's name who drove the bus? Karj. I should know this. Karj. Um, Val and Karj sitting in a beer garden underneath a non-smoking sign, punching some darts. <laughs> um, that photograph, like the the energy is good, right? Like that, but that you don't get a bus full of people traveling up to a convention unless the community is in a good spot. And if the community is in a good spot, the game is in a good spot. Great. Good. Agreed. Well Amen. said. Well said. Yeah. All right. Was there anything else we want to chat about, guys? Or are we gonna are we gonna wrap it up for the evening? Oh, it's only been three hours. I think we probably wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Rob. By the way, thank you. Yeah, very Rob. Much. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, re re retelling your tales of of CanCon and and a bunch of other stuff oh, in between. What have we learned? I can talk under wet cement, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we bring you on. <laughs> Uh, if 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 if, if, it, if I'd just been talking to Val right now, he'd probably be uh, asleep. All right, just be getting, I'd just be getting mumbles out of him right now. Uh, Always a good time, uh, guys. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, you've been listening to Lost Thank Lieutenant. Uh, my name is Kevin. I'm Jacob. I'm Val. I'm Rob. And, and no, that was one more time. One more time. One more time. And that was Rob. <laughs> right. Good night. Uh, <laughs> nice. Sweet mumble. Bye bye. Anyway, thank you again, Rob. Right. Cheers. Very welcome, guys.